is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily today. Huss and Reem with you. One more sleep to the big game at IG Field tomorrow night. Bombers and Lions for first place in the West. We're going to chop it up with the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Derek Taylor, coming up first. And then head out to the West Coast and get uh, the BC perspective on all of this with Farhan Lalji of TSN. Also going to welcome in Scotty Billick today. And uh, listen, we'll get to a little bit of Jets offseason with Billick and the big news about the Seabears playoff game on Friday, which we'll touch on in a second. And I can't wait to have Aaron Bronstetter on. Big, big fight coming up for an old favorite of ours and a Winnipeg native in the UFC. And we will tell you all about that coming up over the next uh, couple of hours. Um, We'll also get to the cool bet lines and the horse picks. And, uh, oh, did we have a night last night at the track with the picks. Um, We'll cover all of that coming up in uh, in a few minutes. But, yeah, very packed show Lots of bomber talk. We will get to the Jets. We will get to the Sea Bears and Brad Katona moving on to the Ultimate Fighter finale, which we understand is going to be part of the UFC 292 card in Boston coming up with Aaron Bronsetter. Just before we get Michael Rivas in here, now we're probably going to have to talk about the Jays getting waxed last night by the Orioles as well. Uh, big thanks to the sponsors that make the show happen. Cool Bet Canada, of course. Dusty, myself, Pat Gregoire banged out our golf episode this week so if you're looking to uh, put a sprinkle down on the Wyndham championship check that out lock shop bets on youtube and of course it's up there on our twitter feeds as well our friends at princess auto we're ready for uh welcoming in bomber fans to the princess auto tailgate zone before tomorrow's game along with the gold eyes cinnaboy downs where i will be tonight breezy bend aikens lake where i will be on the weekend Little Brown Jug, Boston Pizza and Royal Sports, Consolidated Supply, Nick and Nicky DQ and F Apparel, Wallace and Wallace, Vita Health Fresh Market, Modern Man, Aquatac, Manitoba Battery, and the Great Taste of Canadian Club, which I know will be well represented on a beautiful summer evening tomorrow for a first place battle in the Western Division with the Bombers and Lions. Let's get right to it and welcome in Michael Remus to the program. Remo, what is going on? God, yeah, it's I'm gorgeous geared, outside right now. Yeah, I'm geared up, Huss. Is this this might be the biggest summer sports week of the year? Can we say that? Like uh, we got the biggest bomber game of the season uh, tomorrow night. Bombers lines and also the Sea Bears. You know, first ever playoff game, and I we got the email today from them opening up. The upper deck. Like, who's doing the double header here on the long weekend? This is a big week, Huss. Uh, big week. I know it's summer, uh, you know, August 2nd. But uh, the big, you know, big bomber game tomorrow we're all looking for. But also the Sea Bears uh, opening up the upper deck for the first ever playoff game. Like, very exciting. Yeah. We're going to chop that up with Billick a little later on. And I see Billick is in chat. And, yes, I, I kind of forgot that Billick is a UFC guy. But we'll touch on Brad Katona as well. Listen, just before we get into this, and we will talk about it with Aaron Bronstetter uh, of TSN towards the end of the program. Um, but longtime listeners of the warm-up and the afternoon ride will remember over five years ago, Brad Katona 
was an engineering student at the University of Manitoba training to be a professional MMA artist and um, ended up getting cast in The Ultimate Fighter and won. He has had a very wild run through the world of MMA, being released from the UFC, fighting in the Middle East, training in Ireland. And uh, if you caught the, the fight last night as part of the, uh, the, the Ultimate Fighter series, which broadcasts on TSN, Katona was an underdog, as he often is, won an absolute war. And I, mean, I know that is sort of thrown out for fights all the time. This was the definition of it. Um, both guys bloodied, won a split decision, and now Winnipeg's Brad Katona can be the first ever fighter to win the Ultimate Fighter twice and to win another UFC contract coming up in Boston. And um, he was uh, one of my favorite guys to talk to, Remo. He's such an interesting dude. You, If you saw this dude on the street dressed, you would not in a million years think that he was an, uh, uh, an MMA fighter. Um, but he is, and he's on the verge of doing something really special. Um, and I'm really looking forward to having Billick on and as well a great conversation with Aaron Bronstetter coming up on um, one of the underreported stories, I think, around here, but something really, really cool, especially for folks that remember Brad visiting us with, with us back in the day. Yeah, very cool. He's still fighting, 31 years old, uh, out of Ireland now, on T what, Team Conor McGregor and the Ultra Fighter from Winnipeg. We had him in studio here. I found the picture. Uh, so we'll pull it up. Uh, we'll bring it on again before him. But here's the picture with you and Rick, and there's Brad. There, don't look, ignore, you know, if you're, you know, not into cable management, uh, don't look, don't look at this. It might hurt your oh eyes. Look at all the wires the everywhere. Beautiful old studio uh, on Pembina Highway. <laughs> yeah, there it is. And there's, Br there's Brad. I had that one on my phone, so we had to, we had to pull up. That was 20, December 2018, I remember he, he came in. So that was, uh, that was pretty cool. So uh, nice to see him on TV yesterday. Back on our radar, Brad Katona. Yeah, so we're going to get to that a little bit later on, um, which uh, which should be a lot of fun. Well, the other thing we're going to be talking about before we get into the Bombers um, with Billick, and this is good news for all of you that have been snoozing on getting to a Seabears game. I know everyone wants to go to the playoff game on Friday after a number of sellouts. I didn't think that this was possible, and I think everyone knows I was as bullish on this product and this season for basketball, pro basketball back in Winnipeg than maybe anybody. I didn't think they were ever going to get to the upper bowl. <laughs> the upper bowl is open for the playoff game on Friday night. And they're not doing that unless there's a demand for it, Reem. So it is very clear that people have been jumping all mm. over these tickets for the final Seabears game. A rematch of last Saturday's unfortunate loss to Edmonton. Although it probably works out better for a lot of folks that the game's on Friday of yes. the long weekend as opposed to the Sunday of the long weekend. So maybe that'll help put a few more asses in the seats. Bottom line is, get ready for another re record-breaking crowd in the CEBL from the Winnipeg Sea Bears. And, um, I mean, this story of the, of the, the team and um, our city embracing basketball just continues to get better. Um, and, uh, as they say, no excuses now. Tickets are available. Get in there. Hell, get 300-level tickets. Be one of the first people ever to sit in the upper bowl at Canada Life Centre 
for CEBL basketball. But uh, is the lower bowl all sold out now? Yes. Yeah, so, okay. So we pulled up the Ticketmaster map yesterday, and oh. these these sections like one eleven, one twelve, one thirteen, uh, and then two eleven, two twelve, two thirteen. Like those, these ones here at the what the south end zone, uh, they were all available. They're all gone. Um, I think they just opened it up. That is they, wild. There's a bunch of singles. There are only singles here. Look, only singles. And they were t- like, I forget, the cheapest ticket and the lower bowl was 25 bucks. They've opened up the upper deck. The cheapest ticket now, 21.75. So look at the lower bowl house. It's all sold out. There's a couple. They're all singles. A couple here and there. Then go to the upper deck. They've opened these four sections here um, at the top. Let me just give you the numbers. You can get a nice, ever want to sit in a loge seat? How much is a loge? 73, 25 sounds comfortable. Feels like you're in the, in the press box Those up there. Those are the best. How, how much are the, the loge seats are 73? Yeah. And then a regular ticket is 21, 75. So, yeah. And then, oh, I guess lower row. The cheapest is 21, 75. Others are 25, 75, you know, closer to the front. But uh, great value. Great evening. Um, you know, I. I was like, okay, they got a, you know, yesterday when we showed the map, I was like, yeah, okay, they got a couple days to sell these, you know, that's fine. And less than 24 hours, they're all gone. And they opened up more this morning. I was pretty shocked. So we'll see how these go. I guess they can I think open up. It was them. probably the messaging from Winnipeg Sports Talk. Yeah. The very, the very clear message to you all to get your tickets now before it fills and people jumped on it. Yeah. I joke because there's been so much momentum for this team throughout just, the year. But um, yeah, the merch line. I would line be surprised that se- they get into a few more sections as well, to be honest with you. It's certainly possible. They sent out the email. I mean, we're talking about it here. A lot of people talk about Sea Bears. I mean, uh, it's playoffs, exciting. So people are buying them. Uh, I'm curious if these will sell and then we'll get an email maybe tomorrow morning. Oh, we've actually opened up more and more. So. Uh, the, you know, the hype around this team for basketball back in Winnipeg, uh, very exciting. And I think people are checking out who aren't basketball fans and, or maybe they are basketball fans and are excited. But if you're checking it out and maybe you don't love basketball, but you love the atmosphere, um, the fan interaction, you know, the, the game production, everything, there's so much to like about it. And, uh, I'm looking forward to being there. Eight o'clock start us eight o'clock tip off Friday on a long weekend. and, and, And listen, that's awesome. Because, uh, and this is one thing I haven't done as much, but I pop by. I'm usually I'm kind of going to myself or meeting, you know, Billick and whatever the guys down on the media row. But two hours before the game, much like we do at IG Field with the Princess Auto Tailgate Zone, they have put on a great show at um, at in uh, True North Square. So uh, if you're going to the game on Friday, make a point of getting down there early. I know there's food, there's drink. Obviously, you can go into the market, a bunch of other places, the Boston Pizza, of course, where we love to hang, and actually where I watch the UFC after the Sea Bears game on Saturday night, right down the street. But pop in if you can into the area um, of True North Square. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on. And, um, yeah, it's going to be cool. A Cardi, a Cardinal official playing at halftime. I'm just looking at the chat right now. Dunk Dynasty has his tickets for Friday. And Reimer's happy to hear they're getting that support. And Jets fans saying we're going to break our own record. Jeff Kabila saying Gregory Liverpool is upset that they didn't open the upper bowl for the last game. Yes, I know. You can check my DMs. There's plenty of takes from Greg on, on it all. The bottom line is 
that um, these next couple days are going to be real fun for fans going to games. Um, and I should mention, we'll do this later on, but you know, sometimes people hear different parts of the show. If you go to CoolBet, I've got a special Winnipeg Sports Talk exclusive. Bombers to win Thursday, Sea Bears to win on Friday. And uh, they gave us a nice little number at plus 185 on that. I think if you just put them in separately, it's around plus 160 or 165. So I uh, would be very happy to cash that one. And that um, means it'd be a lot of happy Winnipeggers and Manitobans going home from IG Field and from the stadium on, uh, or for, from the arena, Canada Life Centre, coming up on Friday night. So, um, by the way, if you missed yesterday's program and you're a Seabears fan, Check it out. Really great chat with Jelani Watson-Gale, who quickly became my favorite player just from watching the way he plays. A smaller guy, energy dude, coming in off the bench and has lit up teams. I believe he's been the leading scorer a game or two, although what Teddy Buckets is doing, putting up 30-plus in most games, that is tough to do, especially coming off the bench. But it was a real fun conversation. He talked about how much they and the team have absolutely enjoyed every second of this Winnipeg summer and being Sea Bears. And let's send them off to Calgary for Sunday night's game with some seriously big support and uh, what should be uh, another historic game. This could technically, Remo, push the all-time pro basketball. Well, I, I, don't know, I know you mentioned it. I don't know what the numbers were on those NBA exhibition games. I'm not sure whether they sold out or what the numbers were. But as an old head from the Thunder days, I can remember the opening game of the Thunder at Winnipeg Arena was, I believe, over 11,000. Um, I think they regularly got in the seven to 8,000 for the first part of that season. And then, unfortunately, the league, which was... I mean, a disaster in most of the other markets. We started losing teams, and it started losing momentum. Um, but again, we've talked a lot about all the CEBL records that the Seabears have been smashing and continue to do. Um, this game on the weekend potentially could rival the biggest Thunder game of all time, and we're talking about going all the way back into the 90s for that. Yeah, and people are... I see people asking, um, is the Seabears... First of all, the attendance that the you know sea bears are doing i mean it's miles ahead of everyone else in the league like the league attendance top five uh records are all sea bears no one else plays in buildings like uh, yeah. winnipeg does and i mean that was the, the the genius of of david asper's plan was making this happen and having it be at the downtown arena a perfect time to do it obviously they've worked out with um kevin donnelly and uh, you know everyone there at true north sports and entertainment to make it happen and it has been the uh, it has been the perfect storm. And I do know, I was on in where was it Calgary the other day? Yeah. And you know they were kind of asking me about this, and I said, look, you know, with the the changing demographics of Canada, with the popularity of basketball, and we're going to get a chance to talk on more hoops coming up this month as Canada is going to the World Cup, and with our best team ever, um, basketball is just in a way different place in this country than it was even 10 years ago, never mind 20 or 25. So I think there's huge potential for this league uh, to see Edmonton play in a bigger venue, potentially Calgary. Hopefully the Saskatchewan team hasn't had the support that you might have expected, and they've been around for a while. But listen, everything's coming up, Seabears right now, and CEBL. And um, in just one quick year, 
they are the model franchise, frankly, in the Canadian Elite Basketball League. And we just hope that they can win on Friday night and keep this magical first season going to Calgary and then, of course, to the championship tournament uh, in Vancouver. Yeah, people asking in chat, uh, you know, if you can watch it on TV, maybe you're, you're out of town and can't make it. Like, it is on TSN+. Plus. They have all the games. It's a nice synergy there that CBL has with TSN. You've had a couple national games. Chuck Swirsky was here calling uh, the Seabears on their uh, national game, but on TSN+, Plus, so I use Fire Stick. I get the TSN app. I log in with my cable provider, and you can get all There's some good stuff on there, TSN+. Plus. Sometimes I turn it on because I got multiple multiple TVs, and I'm like, yeah, what's on? And I was watching, like, NWSL soccer, or they had, like, XFL, like, late games on. So okay, let me ask Plus, you this. Not to, not to stomp for our old employer, but... How the hell do you get TSN Plus? People ask me. Most people yeah. have no clue. What do you do? Okay. I'll show you. Uh, here, we'll do it right now. Uh, Just, this is a PSA okay. for TSN because so, our guy Aaron Bronstetter is coming on well, we have a Far little later on. Yeah, we have Farhan and Aaron. And Aaron. Farhan, so, too, of course. This is what I, so if you want to do it, get you get the app. So I do it on Fire Stick, and you log in. But we can try it on the computer, which is here. TSN Plus. I'm clicking stream now, and it's going to ask you to log in. Do you want to log in with your, what, cable? Or so if you, have, if you subscribe to TSN on cable, you already get TSN+. Plus. So what, I hit sign in, and it's going to be like uh, access. So you can either you know subscribe to them directly, which a lot of people are doing, or if you have it on your TV already, click I'm a TV subscriber, and then you go find your cable provider. So here... In Winnipeg, you're either on Bell MTS or you're on Shaw. And then you click on that one. You, and you have to know your login credentials when you mm. go check your bill on that site. A lot of people don't know that. So uh, I would recommend finding that information for your Bell or Shaw login. And then you can get TSM Plus on, you know, on the app, whatever, you know, wherever you use. I use Fire, Fire Stick. There's other ones. Or, you know, on web, too. So uh, that's our... How to get your yeah. get TSN Plus with your cable provider? I still provider. don't even know what Fire Stick is. It's the Amazon um, um, streaming thing. Interesting. Well, that plugs be into another, your TV. We'll do another August tech segment with Michael sure. Reeves. But there you go. That's how you figure out TSN Plus and get it if you need it. And and there is a ton of great content on there that you wouldn't normally get on the uh, television. As you mentioned, speaking of TSN, Farhan coming up as well from the West Coast. Which should be uh, which should be some fun. Just quickly, I know DT is going to jump on right away. Remo, ugly night for the Jays last night. Kind of coming in close. Um, you know, one of the pitchers they got from St. Louis came in, gave up three, went from four three to seven three, and then the roof sort of caved in. And uh, man, this Orioles team is a handful. But I mean, you, you just wonder where the Jays would be if they had even an average record against the AL East this season. I was just going to say that. Um, you look at the Jays' record against the AL East. Are you ready for this, Hustler? Now, the Jays on the year, pretty good. 59 and 49. 546 winning percentage. That's, that's a pretty good record. Versus the AL East. Seven wins, 22 losses. <laughs> Okay, well, let me do games below 500 in the division. Okay, let me do some quick <laughs> math. Seven divided by 29 total games. That's a two, four, 
one win percentage against their own division. You're, I mean, I, you're not going to get anywhere um, with that record because obviously your divisional game is so important. But that is, I mean, even if you had 500 against your own division, they would be in such a better spot. So uh, that's is crazy to think um, against their own division. So poor, but Baltimore, they're, I don't know, are they running away with it here? They're now uh, one and a half games up on, on Tampa, 66 and 41. Uh, they're a good baseball team, but uh, you have to yeah, this Toronto record or the East. I mean, if only they lived, or only Toronto was located in a different part of the country. Because I remember the Blue Jays teams, like, 1998. You know, I remember they had, like, what, Clemens and Pat Henkin. They had a really good team. Carlos Delgado, who uh, Shannon Stewart's in there. I've been using him in, in uh, Immaculate Grid quite a bit, actually. But uh, they were always go up against the Yankees, and this is just every team in their division is over 500. And... Uh, the Blue Jays not able to to have so, a 500 record seven, against the teams their division. It's crazy. So the Blue Jays outside of the division are 57 and what did you say? Was seven no, and seven. So it would be 50, um, 52, 52 and 27. And, yeah, that's crazy. 25 games above 500 against everybody else and can't win in their own division. Yikes. Good thing, though. You know who's back on the hill tonight. And I told you this before the season. You say Kikuchi. It is Kikuchi time tonight. And the Jays need it big time after dropping the first two of this series. All right. We're going to talk Bombers in just a minute. Looking forward to having the voice of the blue and gold, Derek Taylor, jump on with us. Just before we do that, uh, our friends at Aquatech have a massive sale going on right now this week. The in-store summer staycation sale with everything in stock, 10% off. Of course, Aquatech, pools and spas. You can make 2023 the year you take the plunge. And their team can provide on-the-spot pricing from designers as well as financing options. Of course, you can find all that out at aqua-tech.ca as well as what they can do with home renovations and thousands of rentals as their foundation. But this is the perfect time to get down to Aquatech with the summer staycation sale. Everything in the store, 10% off. Book it. Get on down to Aquatech today. And again, the uh, website is aqua-tech.ca. Uh, folks, if you need a cut in time for the long weekend, time to get down to Modern Man Barbershop with eight locations in Winnipeg including the newest locations on either Pemina Highway or Plessy Road. Modern Man has you covered, fellas, with a variety of grooming services, haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more, all with an incredible staff of licensed barbers at all eight locations. Book your look and make an appointment at modernmanbarber.com and give them a follow on Instagram at modernmanbarbershops. Well, it's just about long weekend time again, and I ask you, do you have all the batteries you need for the summer fun you and your family are really getting into on the weekend? Um, if you don't, you're not sure, uh, you should probably check in with Donnie and the gang down at Manitoba Battery at 1026 Logan Avenue. Listen, they've got the best prices in town. Do not waste your time at Canadian Tire in the Costco parking lot when you can shop local and save big money with Manitoba Battery. And I'll tell you what, if you have a tough time getting down there, no worries on that because they'll deliver it for you free of charge anywhere in the city of Winnipeg inside the perimeter for any 
order over 60 bucks. You need something for the boat, the camper, the lawn tractor, a CDU or a boat. They've got it all. Go to manitobabattery.com, order free delivery in the city of Winnipeg. Save money and most importantly, save time. These precious summer moments with you and your family. Manitobabattery.com and again, 1026 Logan Avenue. And just before we bring in DT, <laughs> Thursday night game, 30 degrees, midsummer. Uh, it calls for hopefully a bomber win and a bunch of CC and gingers at the game tomorrow. Of course, you know Canada's favorite whiskey Canadian club is the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And whether you're at the rum hut enjoying a CC and Coke or grabbing the drink of the summer, the Canadian club and ginger ale in cans, Canadian club is behind the bombers and is there for you. And you will see plenty of it at IG field tomorrow night. I'm hoping for a well lubricated crowd because I think the bombers are going to need it because they got a heck of an opponent coming in, especially considering what we saw when these two teams met earlier this season and to get us ready for the big game, a man you can pop by and see at the Princess Auto Tailgate Zone doing the pregame show on OB before tomorrow night's tilt beginning at 5.30, the one and only Derek Taylor. DT, what is going on? How are you? Can I tell you a, a special story from inside the Princess Auto Tailgate Zone? Yes, please do. Consecutive home games. We're there every home game. Myself, Doug Brown, Ed Tate, Ted Wyman, the gang. Consecutive home games. Someone has mistaken me for Doug Brown, and I love it. I go, uh, <laughs> a lady came up and said, what's your name? Because my husband says you're Clay Young, but I say, no, that's Doug Brown. And the Hall of Famer, six foot eight, Doug Brown, sitting, you know, across the table to my left, just kind of shrinks down into himself and goes, I can't believe it. I can't believe I'm being compared to this guy, uh, but it made me very proud. So, uh, waiter also thought we were brothers. So I'm like, I, this is this is going great for me. Everything is happening for DT. I'm so I'm so glad that you brought this up. WS tears. I'm putting a plea and a challenge to you. When you get there tomorrow for the game and the guys are doing it on a break, pop by, say hi. And please make it look like you're convinced that Derek Taylor is Doug Brown. Tell him, tell him that he was he was your favorite player during that great career. And then ask Doug or Derek to introduce you to his partner. <laughs> yes. Oh, I, I I pray that happens. I just because if you can see Doug's soul just shrink. When it happens, it's it's incredible to watch. But, no, uh, Doug's Doug's a great sport. There was a there was a moment in the last home game where there was a kid wearing a '97 jersey and it says Brown on the back, and he didn't realize that the guy from his jersey was sitting three feet away from him. So when when he when his dad said, "Oh, he'll sign it for you," uh, it, Doug started signing his back. The kid was just beaming, just beaming at getting to be uh, that close to a, a CFL legend. So it's. It's a ton of reasons why you should come down to the, the tailgate party zone. Get that WS tears. I'm serious. I, I want to hear Derek text me after the game. Well, you're not going to believe this. It was nonstop. People just coming up asking Derek for his autograph as Doug Brown. That is what we need to have happen. And uh, <laughs> oh, was it like playing alongside Joe Fleming? Well, let yes. me tell you. <laughs> um, Man, what a tilt we've got tomorrow night. Uh, listen, I think like most of uh, Bomber fans, and listen, I think even the media, although, I mean, there is a daily grind to covering the team. I've had this game and this date circled 
on my calendar since I walked out of the stadium after the Lions handed the Bombers their lunch earlier this season. I know the Bombers, you know, with their workmanlike attitude led by Mike O'Shea saying, hey, this is week eight or whatever of the season, game number eight. We got a job to do. It's just a game. I don't think it's just another game. I think this is the biggest test of the season. And I think this is either going, one of these teams is going to make a very, very big statement. Either the Bombers that, listen, we had a bad night earlier, but we are still the team to beat in this division, especially at home. And for a British Columbia Lions team that has been defensively incredible all season long, can come in and say that was no fluke, and there's a new team on the block, a new team to beat in the uh, in the West. This is this is the, one of the games of the year, even though we're still in the first half of the season, Derek. Well, and it's it feels crazy to say, but this game could determine first place in the West, right? No and doubt. Let's let's spell that out. If if the Lions come to Winnipeg and win, they win the season series, and they're two wins up on the Bombers. So the Bombers down the stretch, their final ten games would have to win three more games than the BC Lions do. And when you look at the BC Lions, you go, I, I don't know if that's possible. Like, us, one of you or I could quarterback it, and the defense will, will keep teams to under 12 points and we'll win it because the rest of the gang will carry us, right? Like, BC is, at this moment, at a 2021 Winnipeg Blue Bombers level of defensive play. Under 12 offensive points against per game, and under five yards per play against per game. Those numbers are ridiculous. Ridiculous. What are the numbers, DT, what are the numbers if you take out the 45 they gave up when VA threw half a dozen picks to the Argos? Yeah, Probably like you, four or five points a game. Yeah, it's it's amazing. And maybe the most important number for Thursday's game is six, right? It was six points. The Bombers had put up 40 burgers in back-to-back games. They got two field goals off this BC Lions team. It was, it's, it's impressive. So uh, a ton of love to both their coordinators, Ryan Phillips and Jordan McSimmick for what they've been able to do this season. They lose their first quarterback. They have to go to Dane Evans. They bounced around their running backs for that first game. They didn't have Dominic Rimes and Keon Hatcher for me, their two best receivers. Those guys are back now. Uh, It's they've gone through, Maybe not as many injury problems as some other teams, but definitely lost impactful players and they're rolling. So if if the Bombers don't win this game, they're not going to finish in first place. And as much as Mike O'Shea will say, well, you can win it a bunch of ways, dot, dot, dot. We won the 2019 Grey Cup going on the road twice. Sure, but as I will keep saying, uh, since 2000, more than 60% of the teams that have been to the Grey Cup we're the number one seed in their division for exactly the reason we think home game. And you only play one playoff game to get to the great cup. So this game is enormous. Well, it, it is. And I mean, obviously mathematically, I mean, they'd be two games back. They'd have lost the season series. So you're basically three games back. Um, lots can change in the second half of the season, but when it all comes down to it, I mean, I got a ton of respect for this BC team. I think they, I, I don't think there's any doubt. We are all expecting it's going to be BC Winnipeg to play in Hamilton in that great cup. But I'll tell you what, I would way rather have the BC Lions come out of the dome and come down to Winnipeg, as Willie Jefferson's likes to say, in minus 15 in November, as opposed to 
playing in the Dome, albeit the Bombers have had yeah. success in the Dome over the last few years. You know what I mean. Winnipeg in November is a hell of a lot different than even Winnipeg at this point or earlier in the season. But you have to earn that opportunity to host that game. And tomorrow night um, will be massive when it comes to determining who that team on the top of the West is at the end of the regular season. Oh, for sure. And pretend there is a scenario <laughs> in which the Bombers finish second and host the West semifinal. They're going to be a nine-point favorite, 10-point favorite over Sask or over, pretend there's a crossover. Yeah, pretend there's a crossover. They're going to be a nine, 10-point favorite, but is any Bomber fan going to be fully comfortable with what happened against Ottawa earlier this season, how tough Montreal played them last season, including breaking their win streak in Week 10 at home, and in any game against Sask, because what if Trevor Harris is back by then? Trevor Harris looked, I mean, it was 45-27, whatever, but Trevor Harris and that offense looked really good in that game. So there's a high probability you win that game, but there's a 25% chance you don't win that game and don't get to go to Vancouver for a West final. So just more and more why, oh boy, the Bombers need to have it all together for Thursday night. Hey, just as a quick aside, and I was chopping this up with Dusty, uh, who will be in to, to call the game on TSN tomorrow night in the lock shop. And, you know, I was sort of having a little fun with the Elks, and, you know, obviously they're such a mess right now. But then we got talking about Calgary's situation, and then we started talking about where Saskatchewan is right now and kind of looked, and the Elks have, uh, I think it's Ottawa and Hamilton coming up after the Winnipeg game. And we started saying, what if... What kind of a number could we get on the Elks to make the playoffs? <laughs> Never mind win a game. Oh, man. <laughs> but turn this around. Like, what, what if Jared Diggy's for real, hey? Yeah. <laughs> were you as down? Uh, like, what did you think of Edmonton coming into this season? And what do you make of just that, that absolute? Um, well, you'd assume they bottomed out, but maybe not. I guess it can always get worse. Yeah, honestly, I was fairly high on Edmonton coming into the season just because of how things went for Chris Jones when he went to Sask, right? 16, it was awful. They won five games, whatever it was. But they laid some foundational pieces. So last season, as they were running bodies in and out, okay, yeah, they'll set it. They'll find a couple of guys, and, and they'll be set, I thought, for 2023. Since they committed to Taylor Cornelius, I've been long been on record saying I would have just heated Cornelius out the door a long time ago just because I didn't, I didn't think he was viable as a starting quarterback. But I, I kind of convinced myself – well, if you are committing to Cornelius, as you've done by guaranteeing him money for 2024, the best you can do is surround him with with amazing talent. And nobody was able to really revamp their offensive line, so they went and got big-time receivers. Geno Lewis, unfortunately, on the sixth game. Stephen Dunbar, to a lesser extent, Kyron Moore. He went, okay, they're giving him the weapons to work with. They add that to Dylan Mitchell, who really popped last season. But I, I thought... I thought it would work despite the quarterback. And as it turns out, uh, no, uh, Cornelius hasn't. He's been exactly what I, I always thought he was. And they probably could have bought an offensive lineman or two because how quickly BC was gooning them in that game this past week was ridiculous. And no quarterback could have survived in that. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm fairly surprised. I I'd thought third, maybe they push for second, but they're – they're hoping they can change things with Jarius Jackson at, at OC and, and squeak into a playoff spot with 10 games left to go. But I don't, I don't well, know. You know what? And listen, 
Riders, uh, stamps are both in, in real trouble right now. I mean, it's very clear. It's the Bombers and the Lions and everybody else in the Western Division, which brings us back to tomorrow. Um, I, correct me if I'm wrong. Jackson Jeffco was out the first time these two teams played, correct? Correct, yeah. So he's his return to the lineup, I and mean, he makes such a difference, not just in his own spot, but for the others around him, especially Willie Jefferson. Um, how will this Bomber team look different than it did in the earlier matchup between these two teams? Well, the defense there, the defensive front six is is the place, right? Because Jeffcoat, as much as Celestin Haba did some nice things, Jackson Jeffcoat produces quarterback pressure better than any player in the Canadian Football League, right? And then, oh, by the way, opposite side is Willie Jefferson, and Willie's having an amazing season already, right? So now those two guys are working together with Ricky Walker and Jake Thomas, and then you add in the return of Kyrie Wilson. I'm very curious to see how that works. We can talk about that in a second. But Jackson Jeffcoat being back, Dane Evans, the history of Dane Evans against the Bombers, I think we can all look back as Bomber fans in our mind's eye and go, Oh, yeah, when, when he's under pressure, that first game last season in Winnipeg, oh, he was, he looked like he thought he was going to die, right, and just whip the ball out. Dunbar's not there, boom, I'm just whipping the ball out of bounds, right? The, uh, the, the Grey Cups, ooh, pressure in his face, so he threw his interception on his first pass attempt. Oh, yeah, there you go. That's, the, that's how it should look, and that's, that's what wasn't there in uh, the visit to Hamilton last year. Jeff yeah. Coat got hurt in that game, right? So that – I mean, Dane was phenomenal, and the offense was amazing in that game, and I'm not even sure Jeffcoat makes that big a difference. But if you get pressure on Dane, he – this is the joke I made to a buddy last week uh, watching the game two weeks ago. I said, I want to find something in life I love as much as Dane Evans loves patting the football in the pocket. And my buddy said to me, well, what about Slurpees? I'm like, okay, yes, I love Slurpees as much as, as Dane Evans loves patting the football. But just watching him, you go – Ah, you're a little late on that throw because you took an extra uh, two extra pats, and now you forced Whitehead into a bad spot. To me, that stuff still exists. It looked great last week against the winless Elks, but you you will not have time to pat the ball on Thursday with with Jeff Cote and Jefferson coming after you. Well, to me, the biggest um, challenge for the Blue Bombers, and I'm sure you'd agree, is protecting Zach Caleros and reestablishing themselves as the Winnipeg Blue Bombers on the line of scrimmage and the offensive line. Um, tell, talk to us about the challenge that this offensive line is going to be facing and what is on their shoulders, considering that was where it fell apart earlier uh, you know, in the year. Um, and you know, Zach, to his credit, didn't point fingers. I mean, he just, he just kept getting up. But the bottom line was that there was a reason why he kept on getting up. He, he was getting sacked or was getting knocked around every second time he took a snap. Yeah, we were looking back at it in the in the postgame show on CGOB that day, and uh, Doug Brown had said, has Zach ever been sacked that much? The most times he'd ever been sacked as a bomber was five. Never six. That game was seven. And there was Matthew Betts blowing kisses to the crowd after his <laughs> third sack of the game, right? And, and it was really unexpected to hear Doug's voice of the broadcast and go, Stanley Bryant gets beat by a speed rush to the inside. And just to hear the kind of disbelief in his voice, we we had no idea what to make of it at the end of it, right? Because Bryant got got beaten that game, Hardrick got got in that game. It was more, it felt more so the edges than the interior in that game. But I don't think anybody came out of that game looking looking particularly good. And BC, like my goodness, uh, we didn't really notice 
necessarily Woody Barron in that game on the interior. That guy's a monster. That guy's an absolute monster. But here's Betts with all the skill in the world, all the athletic talent in the world. The motor, uh, the motor on that guy, as he's trying to chase down Cornelius last week, you go, this guy's unbelievable. And it, it all works together. Oh, by the way, here's David Menard as well. And this guy's going to gonna wreck your life. And Tehama can, can do some stuff in there as well. You go, this, this defensive front is fantastic. And then, oh, by the way, the back six is, I haven't checked, probably the most veteran back six in the Canadian Football League. They can cover the heck out of you too. Man, they, if they don't figure out how to contain Matthew Betts, though, if I see him blowing kisses on Thursday to the crowd, I'm just I'm going to cry. And I'm going to celebrate a little bit because a Canadian can can wreck it from the defensive end spot. And it's a guy that Chris Jones, I feel like, just said, go away because you're Canadian. I may be making that up. Who knows? But he's absolutely wrecking it. And it's great for the league to see a Canadian guy doing so well. I would love him to be held down on Thursday, however. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll say this, DT. Um Betts can do his thing, just not in our house tomorrow night against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Exactly. And I imagine that, um, you know, I listen, as I said, I, I know that, you know, Ocean and, and the guys are, you know, taking their usual workmanlike approach to this game. Um, but, I mean, we talked to Rashid yesterday. We had Brady on a couple weeks ago. This game is still very much in the mind of, of everyone. I imagine especially the big boys up front that have been the foundation of the success of this team throughout this championship era. Um, and I think that is going to be, I mean, that's where I'm going to be looking first. Um, any other sort of intangibles or things that maybe people aren't talking about, about this game that you think could be impactful and we should pay attention to when uh, things kick off tomorrow night. Yeah. The biggest one is the return of Kyrie Wilson. He did his Achilles in week four last week, last season in Edmonton and hasn't played since then. So this will be his first game back. And when you hear the players, and you, when you hear Coach O'Shea talk about Kyrie Wilson, like, oh, he's big, and he's smart, and he's fast, and and he crushes screens. Like, he's, he's an incredible linebacker. Essentially, what you take away is Kyrie's incredible, and we're, we're beyond overjoyed to have him back in the lineup. So, one, having him back, when I look back at, say, big run plays, I, I feel like Kyrie Wilson – can be a guy who changes that. A big run play to Diedrich Mills in the first carry of the game in, in Calgary is just, it feels like it's just one guy out of his gap. So if Kyrie's there and Kyrie's in his right gap, okay, that's solved. But the other part of that then for me becomes, okay, Kyrie can do a bunch of stuff and Kyrie is excellent. So now what does that allow Richie Hall to do with Adam Big Hill? Because Big Hill, we've seen it, right? Big Hill can cover and Big Hill is very effective as a blitzer as well. So if Kyrie can do this, what other things can we do with Adam Big Hill? What other things can we do with Brandon Alexander if we decide to start shifting bodies around, right? These guys who are, because, because they're working with a teammate who is more skilled and, and gets it, what will that allow the other incredibly skilled players to do, right, in the middle of that defense? So that's I'll be curious to see what ends up happening with, with Biggie because – yeah, he, he can do a lot of stuff. Steve, he, he popped Stephen Dunbar a real good one last year. He went, oh, yeah, Big Hill's in coverage, too. Oh, yeah, by the way, he had, what, five sacks in 2021 because they let him get after it. Oh, he's squeezing in the A-gap and, and wrecking quarterbacks. All right, let's see what Biggie can do. A couple sacks in the game earlier this year. That's I, I usually don't focus on linebackers, but I'm very curious to see the effect of Kyrie Wilson's return. 
Uh, Derek, this has been a lot of fun. Or Doug, should I call you that? Folks, special bonus to any WST listener that can come down again, do this during a break because the guys do, do, they do have a show to do. But hand the real Doug Brown your camera and ask him, would you mind, sir, if you could take a picture with me and Doug Brown? That 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 is what you send that to me. I like we'll Please. have a, we'll have something special for you coming up uh, when uh, when you provide that. Um, it's going to be fun. Hopefully, you'll have some fun with some of these antics beforehand. But the fun's really starting, of course, about five thirty with the broadcast. And and listen, by the way, I not to shit all over the CFL because we all love it. We want it to work, but. Well done to you guys. I was driving home last game, listening to you guys do the post-game show with no stats, and I can't imagine the challenge and the frustration that you and the other broadcasters are going on right now. That has to get fixed. We won't dump all over it, but, I mean, it is insane that we are where we are right now, and it's not running smoothly. But um, well done. It's certainly still entertaining, but I know it's frustrating to you guys not to have a little bit more at your hands when you're talking about the game that was just played. Yeah, the commissioner said it'd be done in July. He didn't say which July, but he said it'd be it'd be well, back in July. So <laughs> I don't know. First it, game it, in I, August tomorrow. We'll we'll see about that. Exactly. Uh, hey, buddy, have a great call tomorrow. Thanks for doing this. Thanks, brother. Good stuff. There is Derek Taylor from or Doug Brown. If you see him tomorrow at the game, <laughs> Princess Auto Tailgate Zone, they get going at 5.30. Pop by and say hi. Um, we do have a little bit of breaking Jets news. Uh, Rasmus Campari has signed with the club. He, of course, coming over as part of the package for Pierre-Luc Dubois, former first rounder. He uh, two-year contract at $1 million AAV. Um, you know, we've got a nice little scouting uh, report on Kapari from Daryl Evans, who I hooked up with at the draft. So we'll have that for you a little later on. Um, Billick's going to join us. We'll talk about that as well. Uh, but first up, we've got Farhan Lalji. Before we bring in Farhan, though, uh, hey, folks, long weekend coming up. Uh, you know it's time to get ready for stocking up on everything you want for your weekend plans. And uh, I'm sure it probably involves barbecuing, which is another reason to get on down to Vita Health. Vita Health Fresh Market with six locations. There's great prices on natural organic supplements, beauty products, but also groceries and Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products too. And I mentioned the grill. How about those amazing Vita Market grass-fed bison and beef steaks for a little August-long barbecue. And, hey, they do have delicious grab-and-go lunches that are built, that are delivered twice a week. Their sandwiches and wraps come with a free sapsucker drink this month as well. So if you do want to pick a few things that are just ready to grab-and-go for your travels, Vita Health is that spot as well. Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Six Winnipeg locations and a fully shoppable website online with local delivery options at myvita.ca. Hey, Winnipeg are, uh, is, of course, hosting the uh, World Police and Fire Games right now. And listen, we know Wallace and Wallace has been a great supporter of us here and Winnipeg's, you know, the fencing and overhead door specialist since 1946. So it should come as no surprise that Wallace and Wallace are proud sponsors of the World Police and Fire Games and are the official supplier of all the fencing that is on their various sites. If you're having an outdoor event, a wedding, a family reunion, or 
business-wise need a temporary fence of any kind for your property or a construction site, give Wallace and Wallace a call. 452-2700. They can uh, hook you up with that. Of course, they can also come and give you a free estimate on fencing needs for your property. And, of course, the best selection of overhead garage doors in town as well. See them online at wallacefences.com or pop down to their showroom on Lawson Road off of Keniston. Um, guys, I know we'll be wearing flip-flops and shorts and T-shirts or sun's out, guns out on the weekend. But, listen, fall's coming up. Many of you will be getting back to business as normal. And many of you are going to want to be looking good for the change of seasons. Uh, if you need to upgrade that wardrobe, only one place to be. You go down and see Andrew, Alex, and their great team at F Apparel at 190 Smith Street downtown. Custom suits just the way you like them. Beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. They do have a 15% discount for wedding parties, so if you're planning the big day in advance, don't waste money renting tuxes and taking them back. Get suits that are going to look great for the big day and the future at F Apparel. They can get working on that when you pop by and see them or find out more make an appointment online at f that's e-p-h apparel.com uh gotta give a shout out to our friends nick and nikki dq of course lots of dq ice cream cakes um very popular right now remo had a hot wheels one for evan's birthday on the weekend um and if you figured that i ice cream or may i suggest the blizzard cakes absolutely all world would make your event better you hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. Fire a picture over. Let them know what you're looking for, and they'll get it done up as only Nick and Nikki can for a quick and easy pickup at any of the four Nick and Nikki DQs. And while you're there, you can maybe sample one of those new summer Blizzard flavors if you haven't already. Nick and Nikki are at four locations: DQ Northgate, DQ Polar Park, DQ St. Anne's, and DQ Niverville. All right, Scott Billick coming up in about 15 minutes. Uh, we will talk about the Campari signing, and I'm looking forward to hearing what Scott has to say about Brad Katona's big win last night. Aaron Bronstetter later on. My red-hot ASD picks as well before the end of the show. Uh, but let's stay on Bombers-Lions right now. Had a great chat with Derek Taylor. Now let's head out to the West Coast and hook up with Farhan Lalji of TSN for the latest from the Lions side of things. Farhan, how are you doing? How's the summer going, my friend? Oh, it's good. Spent some time in the Okanagan. Uh, spent some time on the road at NFL training camps. And, you know, it's funny for me, summer just accelerates by, right? Kind of living in that football cycle, but uh, enjoying every minute of it. Well, uh, you know, I do want to ask you a couple of things about NFL camps, but uh, we've got to start off with this big tilt between the Bombers and the British Columbia Lions. I can tell you here in Winnipeg, the fans, and I'm sure the Bombers have been looking forward to this game ever since BC came in. And, Frankly, whooped Winnipeg thirty to six earlier this season. Um, BC for their I'm part, sure it's a big deal, it, 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 and it should be. Um, like Farhan, the Bombers hadn't lost to a Western Division team since twenty eighteen, and they didn't just lose that game; they uh, they got it handed to them. And um, I, I, we've been fascinated, waiting to see how these teams would match up a second time. Um, but I'll say this, I mean, just watching the BC Lions doing what they've been doing week in and week out, this team is an absolute problem led by a defense that, I mean, certainly has stake claim to maybe the best in the league. 
Yeah, I think that's been the, the most impressive part of watching the Lions, just how well they've played defensively. And that game against Winnipeg was was kind of their, uh, you know, stake in the ground moment across the rest of the league to say, hey, look at us, right? Because, you know, Winnipeg is still a, a, an incredible football team. So I don't, uh, I, you know, I think there was this feeling league-wide that what happened in the Grey Cup was a bit of a fluke. And I don't think enough credit was being given to, to the Argos. And now we've seen the Argos follow that up. But then all of a sudden when BC does that to Winnipeg, now everyone kind of raises their eyebrows. And the storylines are out there about, oh, this team's getting too old and they're not the, the same bombers. And, and I don't believe any of that. Uh, I, I just think sometimes you've got to give credit to the opponents, whether it be the Argos on Grey Cup Day or the BC Lions on that day. And I certainly don't think the gap between those two teams is what it was in that first game. I think you know, whoever wins this game, I think it's going to be a, a really close game one way or the other. Um, I just think they match up really well. But, yeah, it was, it was a real statement game for, for the Lions, and they've been able to carry that out. Obviously, the, the Argos game where Vernon threw the six interceptions was, a, uh, you know, another bit of an eyebrow raise. But um, they were able to bounce back from that. And just the way this defense is playing, to your point, it really is the culmination of three years of work because – you know, I go back, and I've said this before, you look at the BC Lions defense in 2021, uh, Rick Campbell's first year, and they came out of COVID. They weren't good. And the reason they weren't good was they decided to get young. And, they, you know, they were paying Riley that year, right? So that wasn't good. But so they kind of had no choice but to get young in other spots. So now that group has come of age. If you look at this Lions defense, six of the 12 starters, six of the 12 weren't with the team prior to 2021. Right. So, you know, you got a lot of young guys that struggled. And I remember thinking about that 2021 team, what a poor tackling team they were. And now they just don't miss tackles. And that's the one thing. And, and, and when you can play like that, it allows you to just be so comfortable because you don't have to take the number of chances that some other teams have to take. And you can you can sit back and you know, get pressure with four and just tackle everything underneath you. And, you know, the one thing that in that Winnipeg game that really stood out to me was they were never out of position and they made every tackle. And they've been able to, to kind of keep that going. And, and, you know, we'll see what it looks like again against the motivated Bombers team tonight. You know, it, um, what was such an eyebrow raiser from that game was, um, you know, the, the way the Lions dominated the line of scrimmage. Um, and, and, I mean, the Bomber offensive line has been the foundation of the success the team this team's had over the last five years. I don't think we've ever seen Zach Caleros on his ass as much as he was that night. I mean, Matthew Betts is getting all the headlines because he's putting up sacks at historic rate. Um, but this is certainly a, a, a team, I mean, a unit where everyone is contributing. I mean, uh, we talk a lot about Betts, but is there a player or, or two, Farhan, on that BC defense that if people haven't been paying attention should key in on Thursday because they've been really um, driving things for uh, for the Lions? Well, there's a few of them, right? Uh, you know, I do think Sione Tuhema in his second year now has become a, a fairly good option at defensive end for them. Uh, David Menard's always been solid in a rotational role, right? Uh, and then the other guy is Manny Rugamba. Uh, you know, and we talk about those young players, Rugamba and Moget, that allow them to move on from, you know, guys like Luchez Purifoy and other veteran players, right? Just uh, So when you look at Rugamba coming off the edge and the way he's been able to set the edge, and when you get into the, the boot and RPO game, he's been really effective for them as well. So I, I think, um, you know, Rugamba's a, a Sam, kind of that nickel linebacker spot. So... I think some of those guys that people don't talk as much about, you know, Ben Halatic uh, is, is a real consistent tackler for them at linebacker and Bola Combo is a highly productive guy that, that's always in the, 
you know, total defensive stats uh, numbers. But I think for me, it's they've been able to rotate guys across that defensive front, inside and outside. Josh Banks at defensive tackle is regularly drawing double teams and opening up windows and lanes for the outside players. And, and like I said, Rugamba coming off the edge and, and some of the things he's been able to do with that nickel uh, Sam linebacker, even with one hand, right, because he's been in a cast for the other. So I think those are the ones. And, and, and again, the majority of those names are young guys that are new to the league, new to the organization within the last two years and, and are now comfortable in the defense and in their own roles. TSN's Farhan Lalji with us getting ready for Lions and Bombers Thursday night at IG Field. Uh, of course, Vernon Adams has been nicked up. Uh, what's his status? How's he feeling? When do they expect him to return? Um, and uh, do you see much of a drop-off to Dane Evans? I, I tell you, Bomber fans remember what Dane Evans did to Winnipeg last year, putting up 48 when the Bombers were 12-1. and one. Um, uh, Maybe as good of a one-two punch at the quarterback position in the league uh, if they need to go to it, which they have been. Yeah, I mean, I think it is the best one-two punch in the league. You know, being able to have a guy like Dane Evans come off the bench is a luxury not a lot of teams have had. You know, you look at a team like Ottawa, who's four deep at quarterback, um, you know, but you don't know until you get into those opportunities, right? So we don't know what Drew Brown's going to look like until he gets a meaningful start. Maybe he's got that in him. But whereas with Dane Evans, you kind of knew that he had a body of work and there were just very few of those guys out there. We've talked about a bit of a quarterback crisis in and around the CFL. So the Lions were lucky to be able to get him. He kind of wanted to resurrect his career, and uh, he wanted to work under Jordan McSimmick, and certainly the, the, the Ticats at the time weren't going to trade him in the East. So, uh, you know, BC was fortunate to get him, and uh, and he's been good, right? And, you know, the one thing for me when he had to take over a couple of games ago was don't turn the ball over. And that really was Dane's downfall in Hamilton last season, right? He just turned the ball over too much at key times, uh, looked a lot like Jake Mayer's currently looking right, which would which would kind of make uh, Calgarians nervous. But he's turned that around uh, in the opportunities that he's had, right? I mean, uh, even in Saskatchewan, he threw the one interception, but it was you know kind of a deep shot, almost as the equivalent of a punt, and then protected the ball really well against Edmonton, right? So and, you know, and Edmonton's not Winnipeg defensively, right? I think this is going to be a different kind of test for Dane Evans. But I thought he looked really good last week. I think the game plan was good. They were able to get the running game going, so they had manageable second downs, but. I think um, they, they put him in a position to succeed and, you know, he kind of stayed within himself and didn't try to do too much. Right. Uh, no doubt about that. And um, I mean, Hey, it's all about winning football games and he and the lions have been doing exactly that. It is a battle of first place. Uh, I think what happened earlier this season will certainly be on the minds of everyone in the stadium and certainly on the home sideline. How would you describe yeah, I, the, they're, they're downplaying it. They're, they're downplaying it completely. Winnipeg is that we're not, this is not about that game. This is about this game. And then Michael Shea is, is publicly at least good at, at, you know, clear, just clarifying the narrative and making sure that they're singing from his songbook. But how much do you think the players are motivated by that? Or do you think they're able to stick the one game at a time? Mm, listen, I, I, it's a great question. We certainly know what Michael Shea has preached and he is the leader and they often follow, but I can tell you, we had Brady Oliveira on a couple weeks ago, and without I, I brought up this game and the game earlier this year, and he did mention how much of a wake-up call it was and how much they were looking forward to. And we had Rashid Bailey on, who speaks with a lot of passion and a lot of honesty, and he said straight up, they got their asses kicked, and they're looking forward for the opportunity to uh, have it go different. I, what's the vibe around the Lions coming into this game? I mean, they have to be playing with a lot of confidence, although... 
they are in a very tough spot having played twice since the Bombers last played and of course a short week coming from Saturday right into being on the road on Thursday night. Well, they had an incredibly short week when they played them the last time in Winnipeg, much like Winnipeg had last year when they came into BC and put the wood to the Lions, right? So I'm not sure five-day weeks matter anymore, right? And especially it being the second time they've seen them. So they've got a sense of, of what this team feels like. So I'm not sure how much the short week matters, you know? And I, and I think the Lions, if they – if the Lions can kind of come in with that underdog mentality that, yeah, we've got some things against us, including our backup quarterback, that probably helps them. From Winnipeg's standpoint, you know, I'm curious to see how they run the football because they got away from the run so early in that game against BC, and that really played into the Lions' hands. And the priority the Lions made in that game – was keeping Zach Kolaris in the pocket. It's not about pressuring Zach. And Zach doesn't have a lot of weaknesses, right? Um, he can play from within the pocket and have success. Uh, he, you know, he, he's one of the few quarterbacks that can do it inside and out. However, when you're playing from within the pocket, you have to matriculate the ball down the field, as they like to say, right? It's got to be a level of consistency, first downs, manufacture it, right? When Zach breaks the pocket, that's when he can beat you with 30 and 40 yard passes. And I think the Lions were able to do that. And I think there've been some other teams that have managed to have some success keeping it in the pocket. And you know who that's hurt the most? Dalton Schoen. Because Dalton Schoen's numbers have, have kind of come down to earth a little bit. Now, I know there's some injuries there. He's been missing a lot of practices. But when Zach escapes, when you look at what happened last year and how it was shown that would torch BC regularly and everybody else regularly. So I think that's kind of been an interesting part. So, you know, they will run the ball as, as needed in, in most games, but against BC, that one game, I think that was interesting to me. I'm, I'm expecting them to stay with the run more, especially Banks did have a bit of a hamstring tweak that kept him out of the second half of that Edmonton game. So if he's not as effective, it could open up some run lanes for Brady Oliveira. And, you know, now all of a sudden, if you're having a bite down off the edge to give the run D a little bit more support, that could open up some run lanes for Caleros to get outside and, and get some other guys involved. So that's kind of the game within the game that I'm looking at. Uh, but, you know, can they contain Zach Caleros? Will Winnipeg stick to the run game? Uh, it should be a great one uh, tomorrow night. Hey, Farhan, while we've got you here, I mean, you've covered football and know that community in Vancouver very well for a long time. I'm just wondering how much the, the great play of the Lions is resonating. Uh, you know, I know they opened up the upper deck for a game or two. Um, uh, there's been a lot of hard work with the organization and the new owner starting with last year and some of the innovative things that they did. Do the Lions have some momentum in the community? Oh, totally. Yeah. Like, you know, there is buzz around the team. Crowds are up. Uh, more media is talking about it. You know, we don't have enough media, period. Uh, but, uh, you know, those that we have, there is more lions in the conversation. And people notice, right? It's, it's really funny. You know, you, you talk to old school CFL fans, and they'll say, well, we need to market better. Well, what does that mean? What does the marketing mean? I don't know. That's not my job, right? And so narratives get formed, and people don't really all. There's a narrative around what Amar Dolman has done for the order. They are doing the work, um, you know, and they're, they're, they've always been in the community, but now they're, they're doing it differently. Their digital team's doing such a great job. They're, uh, you know, they're investing more on the marketing side and the community side. And, you know, you see more logos around and, you know, they're, they're doing a lot of the right things, but now the narrative is they're committing and they're marketing and they're doing all of that. And, you know, 
people weren't necessarily connected to David Braley, the late David Braley when he owned the team, you know, and, and David made sure all the bills were paid and things like that, but he wasn't necessarily going to be that guy to, to innovate and provide resources in areas he didn't necessarily understand. Whereas Amar Doman is doing all of that. And that message is being received loud and clear in the fan base. So, you know, it's, it's still not the Vancouver Canucks. Um, it's still not, you know, viewed like the NFL might be, but it's, it is, moving forward and taking steps in the right direction. And, and we're seeing it in crowds and, you know, like you go to the backyard party, right? The backyard barbecue that they have uh, on Terry Fox Plaza before every game. And it's electric. And I remember, you know, going and hosting the pregame show in the, that same plaza uh, pre COVID and it was empty, right? Like it was a couple of hundred people at best. We didn't have to worry about changing audio levels because <laughs> we could be heard loud and clear. You know, now it's different, right? I mean, you go there and there are thousands of people that gather in the plaza for whatever band is playing and $5 beers and, you know, watermelon smashes with the riders and all of this kind of stuff. People are buying in. It's a good vibe around those games. Ah, that's great news for the team and certainly great news for the Canadian Football League. Hey, just before we go, and you mentioned NFL, I mean, I think we're all looking forward to another great season. But I know you have been the uh, go-to guy when it comes to covering the CFL and Vancouver's prodigal son, Nathan Rourke, in his new chapter with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, How's the kid doing at training camp? Well, he's doing as good as he's allowed to do, right? Because the reps have been limited, you know, far too limited in my mind. And certainly, you know, from what I thought the expectations were uh, when he first signed, right? I mean, I think he, he wasn't surprised when C.J. Beathard got re-signed, who, you know, that deal happened after the Rourke deal. Um, and, you know, the hope was to compete for a number two job, and he hasn't been given that opportunity, right? Like, just flat out. He is the clear number three. Now, the good part is there's not a fourth and a fifth quarterback there. They've only got three in. So he's making the team. He's going to be on the active roster because the NFL can now dress three and will be making a full salary. Um, you know, and, and all of that stuff is good. So far in training camp, though, you know, I thought the rep uh, division between he and Bethard uh, amongst second and third string players would be 60-40. It's probably been around 80-20, right? Um, but every rep he gets, he's doing well. Like the day before I got there, he was six for six throwing the ball. The day I got there, he had, you know, 10 reps of 11 on 11. He was three for three passing you know, pulled the ball on a read option. And then in Skelly, he was three and four with one being a drop. Not a lot of reps, but he's making the most of the few that he's got. I talked to the offensive coordinator. They think he's doing really well. They're really impressed with how he's processing the offense. And, I, you know, we talked and he's like, yeah, it, it has been difficult. You know, it hasn't been what I expected from that perspective, but I'm in this for the long haul. And I know the preseason is going to mean everything. So he's going to go down to Texas Stadium and play the Dallas Cowboys of Jerry's World and he's going to get a ton of reps in that game. Because you know in the NFL, the star quarterbacks don't play a lot. You know, that last preseason game, they're going to host Miami. He's, he's probably going to get every rep, right? Like, it's, he's going to get tons of opportunities. He knows that not only is he auditioning for the Jaguars, but he's auditioning for 31 other teams, right, if he, if he puts in a really good preseason performance to back up what he did in the CFL. So, and, you know, and, and even – their OC told me that if he does well in those great preseason games or in, in those three preseason games, it may change what we do with our reps. Not to say he'd get to number two right away, but they might start giving him more reps. And so, you know, that's what it'll come down to. But they, they think, and he said this to me, the OC, he said, arm strength-wise, talent-wise, he's got everything it takes to be successful in this league. We don't have any concerns about any of his abilities, and we love how he's learned the offense from spring to now. So they don't have 
concerns about his mental acumen. Now it just comes down to experience and opportunity, and we'll see uh, what that looks like in the preseason. Well, it really will be interesting. Usually the NFL preseason can't end soon enough, but I think for folks that are uh, you know invested in Nathan Rourke, uh, we'll be very excited to see what he can do uh, in the preseason, and then we'll see what happens if he ever gets in behind a pretty stud number one in Trevor Lawrence there with the Jags. Farhan, enjoy the game tomorrow night. Thanks very much for the time. Be well, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, buddy. It's been too long. We'll talk again soon. All right. Good stuff with uh, with Farhan. Tomorrow, tomorrow we're going to have a little bit more. I think Bombing's going to drop by, talk about the big game before it happens, and the man that will call that game on TSN, our buddy, Dustin Nielsen. Going to be cranking out a big lock shop for the CFL tomorrow. Uh, but Dusty's also going to make an appearance and we'll get his thoughts on uh, the game he'll be calling tomorrow night from IG Field. Bombers and Lions for top spot in the Western Division. Uh, all right, Scotty Billick is on deck. Um, before we bring Scott in, um, again, we had Derek Taylor on. You know the drill, folks. Princess Auto Tailgate, 5.30 tomorrow. Pop by the CJOB broadcast booth and... Basically, ask Derek Taylor for his autograph as if he's Doug Brown. And bonus points, if you can hand your phone to Doug Brown and then ask him to take a picture of you and Doug Brown with Doug Brown actually being Derek Taylor. I'm really looking forward to the feedback from all of that. Um, But before the game, anybody going to the game, whether you're popping by there or not, get to the Princess Auto Tailgate Zone. $5 beers, $3.50 popping hot dogs. My guy DJ Finesse is going to be spinning it up. It is the place to be. It looks like it's going to be another gorgeous day. Uh, get it started early and get ready to bring it at 7.30 when the Bombers kick off against the Lions. Princess Auto, proud sponsors of the Bombers. And, of course, Winnipeg Sports Talk and the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Uh Two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West, and you can always shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. Um, if you need something to consolidate supply, I'd uh, maybe go in the morning or early afternoon because I know the fellows down there are going to be getting ready for that game tomorrow night. Um, that being said, they're busy right now because they are the leaders in irrigation supply. Uh, for at consolidated uh, irrigation systems, I should say. And consolidated supply is also the leaders in artificial turf. If you're thinking about not wanting to mow grass anymore, maybe put that dream putting green in the backyard. Spicy, Joe, the gang, they can help you with that. And listen, they're the exclusive club car dealer in Manitoba. So brand new golf carts, things that frankly aren't even golf carts, if you ask me. I mean, transport, electric vehicles, those sort of things. They've got them all. And great deals on used golf carts as well. Um, and other great options for your property, including hot tubs and amazing outdoor kitchens. And, of course, they are the experts in small engine parts and repair as well. Pop by and see them. Consolidated Supply. Showroom. Open to the public. 1395 Niagara Road East. Or check them out online at CTE. Dot C-A. Uh, you got your blue ready for tomorrow? If you don't, there's only one place to go. That is Royal Sports at 750 Pamina Highway. 
Um, a great selection of bomber merch, including tons of exclusives that you won't find anywhere else. While you're at it, you can pop over to the uh, Jet side of things. Maybe you pick up a Rasmus Kupari jersey who just signed a new deal. We'll get to that with Scott Billick in just a minute. Um, whether it's Blue Jays, Raps, all the new NFL merch that's coming out right now. Royal Sports has it all, not to mention soccer, baseball, uh, tennis, tons of uh, disc golf equipment, and a massive selection of bikes. Royal Sports, 750 Pamela Highway. It must be seen to be believed. And you can follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pembina. And now, of course, if you're not going to the game tomorrow night, the next best place to watch it is at your local Boston Pizza. I'll tell you what, I bet there'll be a lot of people at BP for Brad Katona's next fight. We'll talk about that with Billick and with uh, Aaron Bronstetter, but the home of the UFC is BP. I watched the fights on Saturday there. Just an awesome atmosphere. Um, not to mention those schooners, BP wings, gourmet pizzas, and more made it that much better. Hey, if you're staying at home tonight, though, you can always get the great taste of Boston pizza by ordering online at bostonpizza.com. All right, we got a lot of things to talk to Billick about. Let's get him in here. Scotty Billick from the Winnipeg Sun joins us. What's up? How are you? Yeah, you're right. There's there's so much going on in the city right now and outside of the city from people that are from this city. So, yeah, it's a, it's a busy day, as I think Remo set up a big week in Winnipeg sports uh, uh, for, hey, oh, for the summer, at least. So, yeah. Hey, you, you know what? Just uh, I know this came out this morning, um, but just so we don't gloss over it or get carried away, uh, mm-hmm. big class of 2023. Yeah. Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame inductees, including the turtle man himself, <laughs> Milt Stiegel, going into the hall. Yeah, yeah. I mean, big day. I mean, we were talking in the green room earlier, too, about uh, Bron... What is this? Bronstein? Bronstein? Yeah, uh, Terry Bronstein. Terry the Bronstein 1965 Terry Bronstein rink, which I pulled out of air. Went, oh, 65 Briar Champions? That must be yeah. Terry Bronstein's wow. rink. Noah's son, Dan, and... Uh, Really a legendary, a legendary uh, curling club. But, I mean, the Bronstein rank, yeah. a builder, Alex Gardner, uh, yeah, who was the longtime Bison legend. coach. My yeah. good pal Byron Goodwin was his coach, kind of helped him make, uh, you know, one of the Canadian Olympic teams. Uh, we've got a builder, Brent Bottomley from cross-country skiing, um, oh. swimming or swimmer, Kelly Stefanishin from Winnipeg, and uh, long-distance runner Chris Glowak as well. Um, yeah. But certainly, as we get ready for this bomber game tomorrow, um, yeah. you know, Milt will uh, be uh, at the top of that list just with his incredible popularity and what he did for fans here for so long. Great class for the Hall, though, uh, coming in, yeah. in November. Yeah, I mean, 14 years for Stiegel here, right? Two CFL records, one that still stands, well, more, multiple CFL records, but the big one that still stands is his touchdowns and receiving touchdowns. He was passed by G. Roy, obviously, on the. Uh, Hero Simon on the yardage there. But yeah, I mean, about, I guess, about time for Stiegel to go in, I suppose. I mean, you can only do it. I mean, I think Stiegel's been given pretty much everything in this town um, that you can possibly give a person. So, uh, street name, order for the Buffalo Hunt, I believe, uh, key to the city at one point. Uh, I mean, everything, right? So, but yeah, you know, some other guys there, obviously the marathon uh, runner there, Glowaki, or Glowak, I, I believe it is. Uh, he was the first Manitoban to win the Manitoba Marathon. He did it twice, actually. He did it in back-to-back years. I believe it was 97 and 98. Um, and he was a top Manitoban a couple times in the 90s as well uh, in the race. So, yeah. And then um, Stephanie, uh, uh Pan Am Gold uh, in 99 here. 
uh, one gold here in her hometown, uh, went on to uh, Australia that summer. I believe it was in Sydney, right? The Sydney Olympics in 2000. Um, and then she was there as well, um, competing. Uh, did a lot of backstroke, I believe, um, 100 meter, 200 meter, uh, and that sort of thing. So yeah, it's a, it's a good class. Uh, it usually is. Um, and yeah, I mean, Steve will obviously being, uh, let's say the head of that class or maybe the most recognizable name, uh, of course, on that list. Scotty, um, listen, there's a couple other things I wanted to get to right off the bat, but I promised that we would um, get into this with you because we do actually have some Jets news. It's been very quiet, like it's been around the entire National Hockey League. Uh, but two years for Rasmus Kapari, former first rounder, coming in as the uh, kind of third piece along with uh, Velarde and Ayafalo from the LA Kings and a two-year deal at $1 million. Uh, I, I think we all knew that this number would come in and around uh, this point. I mean, two years gives him a chance to kind of you know, get his feet wet here in Winnipeg and uh, hopefully raise his value for the club for a new deal. Um, I, I can't imagine this is really a surprise at all, but what I am really interested in is, um, you know, what this young man might be able to do with a better opportunity um, than he sort of had in L.A. playing a little bit further down a, you know, a roster that didn't have a lot of upward mobility for him. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's it for him, right? It's opportunity. And like you said, I mean, you know, a bit of a kind of a prove it contract or, you know, here's, you know, you give him, he makes 250000 or 225000 more each season now uh, than the league minimum. So, you know, there's some, uh, let's say, uh, just stability, right? Don't have to think about a contract now for the next couple of years. And he can go out and play and, and like you said, earn some more money. I mean, the cap could go up by about $9 million in the next. I'm not saying Kapari is going to be, you know, a five, six million dollar player uh, going forward, but you know, who knows, right? A lot, you know, a lot of the time with some of these players that don't maybe figure it out on their in their first team, or they're just, they just they don't pan out as first rounders on the first. Sometimes they you know they they go off and 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 find it you know in other places, in other cities, different opportunities, teams that are are willing to maybe I don't know, take a little more risk or or just you know find find what makes those guys tick uh, that sort of thing so yeah I, I mean I think it's I, I think it's it's a good contract for the Jets I think it's a good contract for Gabari stays in the NHL um and uh, I don't know he'll figure it out so yeah um you know I think it's a good signing on both sides I think the Jets are down to is it two RFAs now I think it's Logan Stanley now and just Declan Chisholm those two so uh just two now so that kind of business is uh, getting to the point where that's almost done, and we kind of wait and see if you know anything else is going to change this summer. But yeah, indeed. Yeah, and, <laughs> and again, yeah. you know, take this for what it's worth. Um, I mean, daily faceoff just kind of throws guys in and puts them at their positions and kind of where you think the pecking order yeah. is. Um, but Kapari, I mean, right now, you know, was in there at the uh, at the four C spot. Um, yeah. And That's it's where funny. I have them too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, you know, it's you got Connor Shifley, Ehlers, Perfetti, Velarde, Iafalo, uh, Lowry, Niederreiter, Appleton, or Barron. Take your pick. The one guy would be up, one guy would be on the other line. Yeah. Nemetsnikov, who's you know a real utility player, can play everywhere, and then Kapari. Um, you wonder what that means for David Gustafson. It means the wing, Huss. <laughs> you know, I, I think, right? Well, I mean, press box if everyone's or, healthy. Or the, or the exactly right. Like, and I mean, right now, he's not in these twelve. You know, I like David Gustafson, super nice guy, all that stuff, but he just hasn't really kind of panned out so far, right? Like, 
it's not that he hasn't been given opportunities at that fourth line center spot. He just didn't really take advantage, especially two years ago. And, you know, and I, I remember back to that camp, he started on, you know, the quote unquote fifth line in that camp, which was really indicative, I think, of how the, the coaching staff kind of felt about him there. But when he went into last year's training camp, he was already the, the fourth line center, like right from the start. And, you know, they gave him the opportunity. Uh, he stayed healthy for the most part. And, and, and then he, you know, he played, but it, it just wasn't working for him. And so they moved him out to the wing. I, I'm just not sure it's working out there either, right? So we'll see. I mean, David's a great player in terms of his defensive play. He's a great defensive player. Just haven't really seen that offensive touch at, at all, really, um, outside of his first goal. I think it was against the Sharks, that one, where he just, it was a, I mean, that was a laser beam. But other than that, like. I was in 1920. <laughs> yeah, that was a long time ago, right? Like, you know, you know it's wild. If I would have told you, if you had asked me, just without looking, how yeah. many games did David Gustafson play for the Winnipeg Jets last year? I would have guessed like 20. No, he was yeah, in he, 46. Like or, or 40, 46. He was yeah. in 46. And again, you know, I yeah. realize it's limited minutes and you might not see him out there very much, but, um, you know, really didn't play at all. I mean, four games one year, two games the other year, but yeah. got in well, he was 46 last year. Well, exa- yeah. I mean, listen, the guy had yeah. the worst absolute luck. Every time yeah. he got called up, he got knocked out for a long period of time, and that's what it was. But, um, you know, that that's going to be one of the real interesting things about training camp this year is, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to be looking to see who's on the top line. I mean, if Shifley's still here, is he playing center? Who's he playing with? I mean, obviously, I think he will go back to center. We almost... Yeah, Hard to I, imagine yeah. them finishing up where they left off last year, considering the way things went. But whatever. I mean, those are the big stories. But when you look at, you know, those guys battling for spots in the bottom six, I mean, I certainly imagine Kapari is going to get an opportunity to get in there right away. Um, but, you know, certainly, I mean, Jansen Harkins would love another crack. Does he fit in there? I mean, who will be yeah. the guys? And they're probably, I would, I still think they're only going to carry one extra forward, Scott. Mm-hmm. Because with, you know, like unless something changes with the blue line and a couple guys leave, you probably have to have eight guys on the roster unless you were losing someone for nothing on waivers. Well, I mean, I wrote about this on defense last week. Um, and I was like, you know, I basically said the defense is set, like the top six guys are set. And it is, right? Like who's who's coming into that top six right now? And I, I, there's nobody, right? I mean... I think, you know, Dylan Sandberg won out that job last year. By the end, he played in the playoffs. And he's going to be in the top six starting th- this year. So, you know, that leaves Logan Stanley, Billy, uh, Billy Hanela, uh, Declan Chisholm, all fighting out for what? A press box spot or maybe a rotation? But I, I'm not even sure there's going to be much of a rotation starting this year because... Like I said, like you I mean you know, the way that Sandberg played, especially you know down the stretch there and that sort of thing, I think he he won that job. I think you know well, that became well, very listen, evident. If there's a rotation. So, I but, mean, it's probably going in for Nate Schmidt. I mean, I could see maybe, him maybe but, taking but, a good time off. But but, but Nate but, Schmidt played well last year when he was playing with Dylan Sandberg. So like this yeah. is the thing. Like they you're put, right they though. Put it's top Schmidt six and everybody Stanley else. Well, and but I'm just and now I'm like I'm thinking I'm looking at the forwards unless something changes. I mean, I think the forward lines are set too, right? Like I mean. I don't think Jansen Harkins is coming into the lineup. Like, I, I don't think he has the favor of Rick Bonus. I mean, I think we've seen that last season. So unless Jansen – and Jansen Harkins could come in and have a great training camp. 
but he's done that before. Like, I mean, this isn't a knock. Well, this isn't a knock Jansen Harkins, but the knock against him is he's really good in practice. He's really good in training camp. But when he hits the ice, it's not always as good. And yeah, there's been flashes. Don't get me wrong. Like, you know, there's been flashes. He's played well. He's had a couple of games where he's had a couple of goals in the night, but then it just goes silent for a while. Right. And it just, he doesn't, he plays better up in the lineup and he has, and that's what he's shown when he plays lower down the lineup. He, he doesn't play as well. It doesn't suit his game very well, but when you're in that spot, especially for a guy like Jansen, you got to learn how to adapt and he hasn't really learned how to adapt and there's no room in the top six for Jansen Harkins, nor has he earned it. Right. So, I mean, that's, that, that's the, the conundrum with Jansen Harkins. I'm, I'm, I'm honestly, I was surprised he didn't go to LA. I'm surprised that, you know, they haven't really traded him. I, 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 you know, I, he, he, I'm pretty sure he's been uh, he's asked out. I think that might have been. Uh, Here's the thing: not, not there's sure, a Jansen yeah. Harkins or two on every team in the NHL. There is exactly right, and, and that's and, why people yeah. are like, "How can you lose him for nothing, guys?" Yeah. That's why they invented the waiver wire yeah. because well, there's some guys that just team, aren't getting a chance, and they're yeah. they're not giving up assets to get them, but right. there might be a hole somewhere else. And listen, the Jets have benefited from that in some cases by picking up guys. Axel's a perfect example. But, I mean, here's the thing. If Axel Janssen Fialbi is the 13th forward, um, yeah. you know, again, that means Gus might be available. I, the, 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 the depth spots on this team, to me, will be uh, will be a fascinating battle in camp um, because at but this I, point, we're not talking about contracts. Like, oh, Declan Chisholm is pretty much on the squad because they won't want to yeah. miss him on waivers, and that's why they're going to carry eight defensemen. It's a yeah. different story uh, with the forwards, with a lot of guys that – you know, may or may not have the opportunity to even barge into a spot or consideration for an opening day roster spot. Well, that's the thing. Like, I don't think the Jets got deeper in that Dubois trade to play Jansen Harkins or or even David Gustafson, right? Like, I think they realized that they needed some replacements uh, and, and some better players to play in those positions because, you know, they lacked a little bit of that last year. They gave more minutes to the fourth line last year. Um, that's something they did quite a bit of, but but they're, they're, the scoring wasn't there. I mean, we we all remember how last year went for quite a long time, where you know if the top two lines weren't scoring, the Jets were weren't scoring at all, right? And so, you know, they they have a little bit more now. Like you look at those third and fourth lines now. You look at the fourth line with like a Baron and an Appleton potentially. I mean that 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 could be. A, I mean, you you should expect some goals from your fourth line at that point, right? The third line, you have Niederreiter and and um, uh, I'm missing the name right now. Ali Fallow and, and Ali Fallow and and Adam Lowry. Like that line should score and also be a good checking line. Uh, and then you have your top six who should still find ways to score. It's not going to be probably the same. You don't have Wheeler who has 65 points or whatever, and you don't have Pierre Luc Dubois and his 30 goals. But you know it, you're still going to get scoring from that because you have a lot of talent there. Um, but they, they've spread out the scoring a little bit more. Like, you know the one thing. Yeah, like to me, that trade was very much a trade to, to to kind of fix some of the issues that they've had, which is their forward depth hasn't really been that great. And, and and when they've called guys up, those guys aren't scoring either. And oftentimes they need to. They need those guys to step up and do something, and they haven't done it. So that trade filled a few holes, and I think that means that there's – I think the writing's on the wall for some of these guys that haven't really been able to kind of break in and, and produce and – and really kind of hold down uh, and lock down a position. So we'll see how training camp goes. But, I mean, I'm looking at the forward lines right now, the ones on daily faceoff, the ones that I've projected, ones that other people are projecting. And, you know, it 
what's changing, right? Like, I just, I don't know yet. Unless Shifley gets traded and whatever, I, I don't know what's changing out of that. Well, that, that, that top you know what right might now. change? I know a lot of people just assume that they're going to go back to what they started the first game last year with of Shifley, Connor, and Nikolai Ehlers. And I guess yeah. I'd be here for it. But when you bring in players like Velarde, and specifically Aya Fallow, mm-hmm. is if Rick Bonus has Mark Shifley on his team and he's going to throw him back out there on center, I wouldn't be surprised if Alex Iafallo doesn't get a shot at playing on the top line, not because he's going to go and score 40 goals, but because he's an excellent and responsible two-way player that can contribute offensively. And, I mean, it's great if you have these guys running around and scoring one or two, but if they're not playing a lick of defense or things aren't happening in their own end, how far does that get you? And I think that they will be looking for the right mix. And I'm not even sure... I mean, we've seen them try Ehlers and Shifley together plenty before. I mean, it hasn't yeah. always really clicked. And I think, yeah. And I think with Ehlers, like, I mean, I think the one reason why you brought Vladimir Nemestikov back is because Ehlers and him played well together, right? So you're probably going to have those two playing together. I, you know, is it, would it be surprising to see Gabe Velarde on the top line with Shifley and Ayafalo either? Like, I, I don't, I don't think so. Well, that could be, but then where's mean, Kyle Connor? Then I mean, you got what Perfetti playing with? Well, um, like who's your who's number two? Well, center? yeah, so that's, that's the, the first question, right? Well, I know. Yeah, I know. I mean, maybe it maybe it is Velarde, right? And then Nemestikov's playing the wing somewhere. I, I don't know, yeah. right? Like the I mean, good thing about Nemestikov that, is he more, can play everywhere, yeah. and you know, yeah, if he's, so he's on the third or fourth line, no problem. He'll go out there and yeah. do it. Some guy's hurt, or a guy gets a ten minute misconduct, you pop him in there. There was some chemistry with he and Nikolai Ehlers. Yep. And listen, if Ehlers can Bruce produce at a high level with a guy playing on that kind of a salary, that's a great thing for a team. When you're able to move it around, yep. um, there certainly is some more options. But, um, you know, unless Niederreiter is in the top six, if Niederreiter shifts down to the third line to play with Adam Lowry, whether it's with Barron or whether it's with Appleton or even potentially Nemetsnikov, yep. I think you're at a situation where maybe Ehlers, they try to see, can Ehlers click with whoever is playing in that in that 2C position. Mm-hmm. Velarde probably at the start or potentially Cole Perfetti and then take it from there. And um, as far as Kapari goes, we kind of started this conversation on, yeah. I think he's probably a fourth-line player that, you know, yeah. they kind of see whether he's capable of more as the season goes on. Yeah, I mean, big body too, right? Like That's the one thing I think Jets like about Kapari is he's big. I think he's like 6'4", something like that, around 200 pounds. Um, you know, so, you know, I, I, we'll see. He's a first-round player, right? So, I mean, obviously the Kings thought he would be a good player. It, you know, he reminds me a little bit maybe of Christian Veselainen and kind of like how it just hasn't more worked out as a first-rounder. But, uh, you know, the th- way that I've seen Kapari play, at least, you know, he, he looks better than, than Veselainen, a little more engaged and that sort of thing. So He's yeah, got we'll big see. league and, speed. He's got big league well, speed. He's 6'2", 200 listed, it, so he's sorry, not I thought it was massive. But that's not bad for a fourth line center, and and it's no. not bad for a guy who, he, like you said, he has speed. So, you know, I, I think again, like I said, I mean, I think the Jets changed a lot of the complexion of their depth, and, and yeah, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting training camp this year. Like it's because it, it's all the lines. Like last year we came in training camp, I think we kind of knew exactly how things were going to shake down. This year, I think we know who's going to be in the top twelve and in, in the forward contingent. But where are they going to be, right? And and how are these lines? Because they all even like losing two top six guys like you did in Wheeler and Dubois really throws a wrench into things. And and so it's not a, not not a bad wrench, just like a wrench into like you know how do we 
you know, who's going to play with who, who develops some chemistry in training camp, uh, you know, Shifley will have a say, I'm sure, in who he wants to play with, right? That sort of thing. So, and, and the other thing is, is Shifley still going to be here, right? We still got a month to go before, well, we got a month and a half to go, really, before we're training camp kicks off. So, yeah, we'll see, we'll see what goes on. Um, no doubt about it. Hey, before we go, uh, I know you'll be at Canada Life Center on Friday night covering yeah. the playoff game. It was unfortunate, you know, from a Winnipeg perspective that the Seabirds weren't able to win because they would have skipped this game mm-hmm. altogether. Um, but, man, I mean, the story really is the support from this yeah. city for this club. And, um, you know, as we talked yesterday, you know, they had a couple thousand or so seats in the lower bowl. Those are all gone selling into the upper bowl for the first time ever. And I, I can't help but think how cool the atmosphere is going to be at that um, rank, or I guess technically gym yeah, on uh, yeah. Friday night for um, a game that really does mean something for the franchise. And uh, it's going to have more fans than we've ever seen to watch a Winnipeg pro basketball team, probably since the first Thunder game of all time in the 90s, where they had like 11th out. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that could be the number that they might get to, right? It might be yeah. bigger than that. Who knows, right? I mean, they've opened up those four sections so far. Uh, just talking to the team earlier uh, before I came on, and, you know, it, it's obviously open to demand, so they'll keep opening sections as long as people are buying tickets. But, I mean, I'm looking at these tickets. Ticketmaster up. I know Remo had it up earlier. I mean, it's $15 plus their taxes and fees and all that, but it's like twenty one seventy five to sit in the upper deck to watch a game, which is, I mean, I, Again, if you haven't been there, and I'm not trying to shill for the team, but it's a fun time, right? It, 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 I, like I, I'm looking forward to going and covering that game on Friday because it's a fun time. But like the, the fans, and then like I mean, the fans always create the atmosphere and that sort of thing. But like really, at the, these games, like, it's very much about that, and and it, it's very diverse. Like it's it really brings a lot of Winnipeg together, and a lot of Winnipeg that you don't always necessarily see at a hockey game or. Or whatever, and 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 you know, it's it's just it's a it's a good fun time, and 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 they care about the fans, and you know, and um, um it, it's it's an interesting, it, it's been really interesting to watch the whole year, and you know, if you do go on Friday, it's the last game of the year, um, the last home game at least of the year for for the Sea Bears, um, and you're going to be a part of the biggest crowd in in, in Seabell history again, <laughs> so if you're there last Friday or Saturday. Uh, well, yeah, you know, that's about to get, just be uh, looking you can for, already see it, right? So yeah, same yeah. opponent, but looking for a different result. And uh, again, yeah. if you're a Seabirds fan, check out the interview from yesterday's show with Jelani Watson, Gale Billick. Um, I'm yeah. unfortunately going to be out of town, so I won't see you on Friday, but we'll talk about it All next right. week. Hopefully about the Seabirds heading to the uh, championship yeah. tournament out in uh, BC. Have a great weekend and uh, thanks for doing yeah. this. Yeah. Anytime guys. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thanks. Good stuff. There's Scotty Billick. Um, all right. We, uh, Oh, hold on a second, Bill. Before you go, we didn't never even got to this, and this is a good tee up for I was Aaron Bronstetter coming up. Yeah, sorry, there's a lot going on. It's all good. Um, we're gonna have Aaron Bronstetter come in and talk a little bit about Brad Katona. Yeah. But I know you've been—I mean, always been a big fan of UFC. Follow this very closely. Um, Winnipeg native Brad Katona, who looks like a librarian. Uh, but knocks people out like the baddest MF you've ever seen yeah. is on his way to the ultimate fighter finale for the second time. Mm-hmm. And uh, what a wild story is we've played this. Sh- I mean, he came in, in studio with us in 2018. And I yeah. was just fascinated with this guy that, as I say, you know, looked every bit of the engineering student that he was at the time. And yet <laughs> was going in to yeah. be 
an MMA fighter, and um, this has taken him all around the world. He's been training in Ireland with, uh, you know, McGregor's coach and group, John Kavanaugh. And now he's on the verge of making history after winning an absolute war last night on TSN. Um, What a cool story for Brad Katona from the peg. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's it's a great redemption story. One of the things about being a UFC fighter that if you're not up, if you're, if you're not winning all your fights, especially over a guy that comes to that, you're like, you, just, you end up cut, right? And, you know, it, it's very much, there's a lot of turnover, especially in those lower ranks when you're trying to make up. I mean, you really just got to string wings together. And one of the hardest things to do, and one of the beauties of the Ultimate Fighter, too, but one of the hardest things to do is to ever get back into the UFC. And, you know, the thing with the Ultimate Fighter is that it, it often gives guys that kind of chance. This is the guy that he, Kimer Valaev, uh, that he, Valiev, that he, that he fought last night and beat via split decision. Um, he had been in the UFC, too. So, like, it, it's, it, you know, these are guys. And one of the things that Conor McGregor said on the show last night is you got to be, you know, weary of these kind of cagey veteran guys. And, and Katona's one of them. Same with Valiev, right? And so, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's been an interesting year on the Ultimate Fighter. Obviously, Katona started on Chandler's, Michael Chandler's team, and it, which has provided a really interesting dynamic because he's John Kavanaugh and, and uh, Owen Roddy and, and, and those guys from the SBG gym in, in Ireland, Straight Blast uh, gym in Ireland, where Conor McGregor's out of. That's where Brad Katona's been since 2017. And he was basically being coached by the other team and, and not his coaches. And so... He ended up switching before the semifinal fight, which was last night, and he's now back on or he's on McGregor's team now. And the one thing he said on the show, and I haven't talked to Brad yet, but I'm hoping to in the next day or so, is he said on that he's like he just felt free, right? Like he was with his guys again, he was with his family again, and and you know he came out in that fight, an unbelievable fight. Like if you get a chance, if you can find it somewhere, I, I would watch it. I mean, it was it was a war from the start. Brad Katona got busted up early in the first round, bleeding all the side of the head. Big time. Um, but it gets a nice takedown early on and then gets taken down at the end of the round. And then it was just a bit of a, you know, a good sparring match, but it was a really good technical fight. Like, I mean, that's the, one of the things about Brad Katona. He's very much a technical fighter. He has a black belt in Brazilian, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Um, he's a karate guy, but he's really good technically. He's got a great left hand. That's what he's known for. He can knock guys out. He's got knockout power in that hand. Um, so yeah, yeah, it, uh, you know, you're you're always rooting for the for the the Winnipegger in this one. And you know, he won it before. I think it was season. I want to say it was season twenty, season twenty one. I think he won. We're in season. Uh, you know what? Now. We're gonna find out right away. Bronstetter's yeah, so, got all the uh, Bronstetter's yeah, got all the so, info on that. But you know what? We may have to get the uh, fellas together for oh, the championship so fight. Yeah, which, that's a good one. Uh, as we're going to find out in a minute, looks like it's going to be in Boston. But uh, we'll mm-hmm. uh, do it again next week, Scotty. Thanks for uh, yep. jumping on, as always. Yeah, anytime, guys. There's Scott Billick from the Winnipeg Sun. We are going to talk about Brad Katona with uh, one of the – well, nominated for MMA Journalist of the Year, our guy, Aaron Bronstetter. Um, just before we do that, if you've been – if you saw that tweet last night about the red-hot picks from Assiniboia Downs, stick around. We will have those picks. And we do have a cool bet exclusive for the Bombers and Seabears, which we'll get to in a minute. But um, do have to thank our friends at Little Brown Jug. Long weekend is here, gang. I know there's been a lot of issues with the liquor stores and whatnot. <laughs> Why not just stock up on Winnipeg's favorite local beer? And you can do that without hitting a Manitoba Liquor Mart. All you need to do is head on down to Little Brown Jug in the Exchange, William Avenue. Um, if you plan your time right... 
can uh, have a couple out on that beautiful patio they built at the end of last year. Uh, or if it's too hot, head inside, have a few, and pick up everything you need for the long weekend. And may I suggest my personal favorite for summer drinking, the new generic lager. Um, all there at Little Brown Jug. Of course, check it out online as well as their seasonal beers, littlebrownjug.ca. Um, and if you are getting to a beer store elsewhere, you can find Little Brown Jug wherever they sell great beer. And 1919, don't forget, is at the stadium. You can find that at the Poutinery and the hometown concession stands tomorrow on both the east and the west side. Well, I just got the email. The countdown is on. Remo will be handling the show on Friday because I am taking off to Aikens Lake, my favorite three days of the year for some world-class fishing and even more world-class hospitality from the Turin family. I'll crank out a bunch of stuff on our social media channels and hopefully have some monsters. It sounds like they're biting and they're big these days. A guy earlier this week from Texas caught a master angler walleye the first day of his trip, a master angler lake trout the second day of his trip, and a master angler pike the third day of his trip. Never heard of anything like that. So hopefully we're going at the right time, but it's always a great time for Aikens Lake. Incredible corporate uh, event. Maybe if you want to take out some of your top clients or a bit of a retreat for people that have been Zooming for the last three or four years. Find out more at AikensLake.com. Give our pal Pitt Turen a hit up on Twitter at Aikens Lake for more information about booking into 2024 right now um tough one for the gold eyes last night they are in kansas city first place team big long series and um listen this has been a real tough series for the fish on the field been a great one though off the field and one of the biggest days of the year is coming up and that of course is the bark in the park saturday august 12th Tickets are going very fast for that. Go to the Gold Eyes website. They tweeted out some information on that. We'll get info on that from Andrew Collier in the next couple days on the program. And then, of course, next week is the big week. Reggie Abercrombie, Jersey Retirement, the Reggie Bobblehead Giveaway, fireworks all happening on Friday, August 11th. And... Uh, I'll be missing maybe part of the show that day because I'm going to be interviewing Reggie at the big luncheon downtown, which I'm really looking forward to being a part of to see Reggie again. He was one of our favorites and certainly our favorite guy from the Gold Eyes ever to interview. So I'm going to be doing that with Brody Jackson um, and really looking forward to that. But get to goldeyes.com. And if you want to get in on the Bark in the Park, I suggest you get your tickets now. Um, you know what? We'll get to the cool bet lines in a bit. We'll also get to Assiniboia Downs in a bit. But I did mention that we do have a new lock shop up for the Wyndham Championship. Very interesting run. That is today's, uh, this week's event on the PGA Tour. We'll give you an update on that tomorrow as well as all the other golf happenings. Always brought to you by Breezy Bend. If you're thinking about making a uh, long-term home for you and your family at a top private golf course in Winnipeg, Breezy is the spot. Get on the waiting list now, though, for 2024 because space is limited. You can do that by going to breezybend.ca or give our pal Corey Johnson, GM of the year in Manitoba, a buzz, and he'll get you on there. And hopefully we'll see you out at Breezy. Just opened the new 7th and 15th holes last week. 
They are absolutely beautiful, and the course could not be better. All right, we mentioned Brad Katona, Winnipeg native. One last night on the Ultimate Fighter and is going back to the finals with Conor McGregor in his corner. No better person to uh, talk about that than our pal Aaron Bronstetter from TSN. All right, let's welcome in our pal Aaron Bronstetter, who once again has been nominated for the MMA Journalist of the Year. Congratulations on that, my friend, and uh, great to talk to you again. What's going on? Hey, it's great to be on with you guys. Yeah, cool. Two years in a row, right? I mean, for uh, a guy who's covering a sport for a Canadian network to be recognized at the World MMA Awards is uh, it's a pretty cool uh, honor, and uh, I'm humbled by it. It's you know, really, really uh, cool thing. I got to tell you, just before we get into to the, 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 the main topic, um, it is so cool to see what you have sort of built there at TSN as being the MMA guy. I mean, I, I, we first met back, I want to say, in Dallas at the Super Bowl when you were hustling for Landsberg and doing a million different jobs for OTR. Um, been quite the journey to get to this point. Yeah, you've seen the hustle, no pun intended. I mean, to get from where I was to where I am, it's it was mostly behind-the-scenes stuff. I was doing uh, guest booking for Off the Record with Michael Landsberg, and then I, I ended up helping you guys out and, and all of the different radio stations and uh, TV shows out for, for some years as uh, the, the head of talent relations at TSN, just helping book all of the different shows uh, with guests when we had people come in for the car wash at TSN and connecting those. Um, and then, of course, now doing mixed martial arts. So it's been an, an interesting road to where I ended up. And um, again, to be recognized as a journalist of the year for MMA after having kind of a non-traditional start to where I am, is it's just very cool. And um, yeah, it's, it's still a real dream come true to have this job. Well, I'll tell you what, it is very well-deserved and it's great to see. Now, I, we wanted to bring you on. Um, this is a big card on the weekend, which I actually did watch. It was a hell of a lot of fun. But last night, our old pal, Brad Katona, who we first met when he jumped into our studio on Tia, at, uh, on, at 1290, when he was an engineering student at the University of Manitoba, and he looked every bit a guy that would be spending 20 hours in study hall, turns into... Um, a guy that goes out and wins the ultimate fighter. And now he's back after winning an absolute war last night to be the first, to, to be on the verge of being the first fighter ever to win this thing twice. Um, we'll maybe get to his past and where he's been over the last little while. But uh, I'm turning the TV on last night. I'm seeing Conor McGregor in his corner. I'm seeing Brad Katona fight in a fight that as good as any that you'll see, a little gory at times. Um, how significant is this for Brad and his career to once again be in the final of the Ultimate Fighter? Well, it's huge. And the funny thing is he never should have been released in the first place, in my opinion. If you look at his road to get to the UFC, he was on the Ultimate Fighter and faced, when the show started, in my opinion, the two guys that I thought had the best chance of winning were Bryce Mitchell and Kyler Phillips. And he went and beat both those guys. You know, I didn't think Brad had a, a hope against those two guys, to be perfectly honest at the time. He goes in, beats both those guys up a weight class because he's a 35 or he does, does it at 145 pounds and then wins, gets into the UFC and ends up losing to a guy named Marab Dualashvili, who for a lot of people's money is, is the best or second best bantamweight in the world right now. And then also to another guy named Hunter Azure, who coincidentally ended up being his teammate on this season of The Ultimate Fighter. 
but really shouldn't have gotten let go. That was a split decision loss, very close fight. Somebody who has belonged in the UFC this entire time. But of course, you know, business is business, gets released for whatever reason, uh, took it really personally, and then ended up basically fighting in a, an organization called Brave, which is in the Middle East. And they typically bring fighters in from North America to get squashed against these, uh, these fighters that are uh, from the, the Middle Eastern or Baltic regions. He goes in and beats all these killers and becomes the champion over there. So then he doesn't even get the call to be on the Ultimate Fighter. He trains with John Kavanaugh, who's Conor McGregor's coach, and, and occasionally with Conor himself, even though they're several weight classes apart. And basically comes on the plane with John Kavanaugh over from Ireland and tries to lobby to get onto the show. They bring him on. He ends up on the show that way, even though he was probably a better candidate for the show than a lot of the other former UFC fighters that they brought back because the way that they did the teams was uh, it was prospects versus ex-UFC fighters. He was probably more qualified and then somehow ends up on the show as a result of that, basically almost through nepotism rather than uh, the skill that, that you know earned him a spot on that show to begin with, ends up getting on it. And now here we are. He's now in the finals again. He's the only Canadian to ever win a traditional season of The Ultimate Fighter. And now he could be the only fighter to ever win two seasons of The Ultimate Fighter. So a pretty cool story. And I told you guys this before we started. I'm sorry to keep rambling on here. But somebody had told me, somebody that was in the know, had told me that the two guys that were brought over with Connor got knocked out because this show is pre-taped. It's not live. So every time I watched Brad fight on this season, I thought we, I was going to be, you know, leave. I kind of had let my guard down. I was like, oh, he's going to leave. and It's going to be really sad. He's going to get finished ends up in the finale. So I, it was a big surprise to me that he won both of his fights on the uh, Ultimate Fighter because somebody had told me that the opposite was going to happen. Um, you know, and I guess they, they were wrong and mistaken or they, they had been given a bad tip. Now, I, I mean, just fill people in on what the Ultimate Fighter is because it's a little different than regular UFC cards. I mean, it's sort of the combination of a reality show and, um, you know, what you'd see on a Saturday night card. Yeah, so this is the 31st season, and the formula for this show has remained largely, uh, largely the same. They bring a bunch of fighters on. They put them in a house together. Uh, they have them separated into teams. You know, this time there was a different kind of format where it was, again, the prospects against uh, UFC veterans, and they split the teams up that way and kind of seeded them in advance. But these guys are then matched up. The um, coaches typically pick the matchups. And then once they get to the semifinals, like Brad did, the coaches meet with Dana White and they say, this is who I think you know, should fight so-and-so, this is who I think should fight this guy. And then Dana White ultimately makes the decision of who's going to fight who in the semifinals. So he ends up fighting the guy where if you saw Connor and Michael Chandler talking to Dana White, they said, we think Teamer is going to be the guy who wins out of the bantamweight division. And they end up matching up Brad with Teamer. Brad ends up switching teams to Conor McGregor because those are his regular coaches. He ends up switching teams for the semis, trains with his regular coaches. Um, he was training with Michael Chandler's team leading up to this point and ends up getting matched up against Teamer, who's a really, really tough opponent, and he ends up winning. You know, it, you mentioned the switch. Like I, I knew that Brad had been training in Ireland for a while. I didn't know that he had that connection to Kavanaugh and the uh, and the McGregor camp. Um, but when I saw it earlier on, I probably picked it up a little bit way through. He was on the other team. He was on the red team. And Connor's team was getting their asses handed to them in every single fight. And it ended up where I think the blue team, the McGregor squad, won the final, final fight, or they would have literally lost every one. Um, how did it come about that Brad went from 
the red team and is now, as we saw last night on the TSN, has Conor McGregor in his corner and will be representing McGregor in the final when uh, they hit the pay-per-view in Boston. Yeah, so when the semis are put together, because he was facing a teammate, they basically give you the option of you can you basically end up either on a gray team, which is kind of like you're training with the same kind of coaches, like the coaches kind of split off and they each coach a different fighter. In fact, last week's show was really interesting because they had two fighters also from that veteran team fighting at 155 pounds. And if you watch it, it's one of the most interesting fights you can watch because there was no coaching. There's also no fans. So it's basically at the UFC's production facility and it's dead silent. Like you, sometimes they'll cut to McGregor talking on the sidelines, but that's it. There's no commentary. So you're actually listening to a fight and watching a fight with none of the normal surroundings of a UFC fight. It was really cool to watch it that way because you can really watch the nuances of the fight and, and really kind of judge for yourself what's happening without having to listen to the commentary, which was really kind of a cool thing. But because Katona had the choice and because Kavanaugh has been his head coach for what, four or five years, something like that, along with Owen Roddy and a lot of those other coaches on the team, he just decided he was going to coach or I, I guess switch over to that team and get coached by his normal coaches, which gives him a real advantage actually on the ultimate fighter. Yeah, and he actually spoke about it on a, on a, uh, an interview afterwards on how much he learned from the one group of coaches and then moving over to the other guns with the uh, the guys you know has helped him so much as well. So he can now, I guess, talk about it because the win last night puts him into the final, and that is not pre-taped. He is set for another fight of his life coming up very soon. Fill people in on uh, when this finale will be and what's at stake for Brad Katona when he gets back in the octagon in that championship fight. Yeah, so reports have indicated that, that fight's going to be in Boston at UFC 292. Uh, would likely be on the preliminary card, which would mean it would still be televised. That's typically what they do because they want uh, all of the different partners who air the Ultimate Fighter to have basically the final fight on, on their air. So um, yeah, that's the expectation is that Brad is going to compete in, uh, I think it's three weeks' time at uh, UFC 291 in, in Boston, which is a cool spot for him to be competing. Uh, what does a win mean for Brad Katona, considering that he's a very unique story? He's already been there. He's already won it. Um, and then, of course, has had this long, circuitous path back to the octagon and an opportunity to uh, to win again. Well, it's history and it's redemption. It's, it's, you know, both of those things, because historically, he'll be the first to have won the show twice, which is an, an honor in and of itself. And his dream has always been to fight in the UFC, and he he achieved that dream, and then it was unceremoniously ended, really for, again, I, I don't think that he was somebody who the UFC should have cut. I think that skill-wise, he's better than, I'd say, everybody you know outside of the top 20 in the bantamweight division that can certainly make a case that he, he could beat some of these ranked fighters. He's that good. Again, he went over to the Middle East and beat a lot of these great fighters from you know Russia, Dagestan, guys that he was supposed to lose to, ended up beating those guys. Like, He's been dealt a bad hand every step of the way, and he's managed to overcome it. Um, from my perspective, he seems like a really marketable fighter, too. I mean, he's a really nice guy. He's smiling. He looks nothing like your stereotypical MMA fighter. Um, was it something against him because of that? He probably, like If you look at him regular dressed, you'd think he was more going to engineering class frankly than going out to beat the hell out of somebody but you, know, you put him in the in the octagon and he is a completely different human being 
Yeah, that's why his nickname is Superman, because he's like a Clark Kent type. He's this kind of goofy guy with glasses that you would never expect it. You, you see this guy take his shirt off, and he's got this like muscular build, like a superhero. Um, so that's kind of how he got that nickname. And I, you know, I agree. And also, we don't have a whole lot of Canadian fighters in the UFC right now. So getting rid of one, to me, was also very counterproductive. This was pre-pandemic, where... You know, you were still expecting to have cards in Canada and need Canadian talent to fill them. And I thought that Brad was one of the best Canadians in the UFC when he got released. So it was just very surprising to me that uh, that, that had happened at the time. Does a win get him back in the UFC and uh, back in the mix for uh, a number of fights? Yeah, he gets a contract, typically a four-fight contract. And that obviously, I mean, big for someone, especially at his stage of his career. Um, you mentioned Canadians right now. Um you know, we had that you know period of GSP being uh, being the guy. Where are we at right now with uh, with MMA in uh, in Canada? We'll be paying attention to Brad, but uh, uh, and maybe if you can talk about where Mike Malott is, because uh, we sort of know his brother Jeff, who plays here in Winnipeg right. for the Manitoba Moose, and talked a lot to Jeff about watching his brother, and he seems to you know have had a real good run over the past year or so as well. Yeah, absolutely. So um, Canada had a real lull for some time where it took us a while to have uh, fighters that were getting ranked. For a time, we had one, maybe two ranked fighters, and then we had none. And uh, the UFC came back to Canada in Vancouver um, back in June, and every Canadian on the card won. They went 7-0, and swept the board. And I think that was really a turning point for Canadian MMA. We're starting to see the regional scene come back to life uh, over the past couple of years. We've got these great promotions like a unified BTC um, BFL, a lot of these great up-and-coming promotions where you're seeing talent that are rising up. And, you know, I'm seeing it at the grassroots level. We're starting to see a lot of up-and-coming talent uh, resurface because the pandemic had kind of shut it down for two years where people didn't have places to fight. They'd have to go stateside. And oftentimes when a Canadian goes state, uh, stateside, they're, they're given pretty tough matchups. So um, not that the matchups aren't always tough, but you know what I mean. They're kind of brought in to lose. So now we're starting to see it come back to life I think that Mike Malott, as you mentioned, was he was the last Canadian on that card in Vancouver and had all this pressure on his back. And he told me that he had prepared for every single scenario that could possibly play out, whether every Canadian before him had lost, whether every Canadian before him had won, the pressure he was going to have to deal with. And then to make matters worse, on his walk to the cage, the barricade fell and fans fell onto his team. And he said, well, that was one of the things I didn't mentally prepare for. And he still was able to kind of walk past it in his head. He was like, nope, I'm not going to let that get to me. We got, we got a fight to, to, uh, to enter. And he, he managed to rise to the occasion. And I think right now, of the Canadians in the UFC, he is certainly is the highest profile and, and somebody who ha- has really captured the imagination of this country. Well, we'll uh, certainly look forward to uh, him getting back into the octagon. But first things first, our guy from the peg, Brad Katona, trying to be the first ever fighter to win the ultimate fighter twice. Um, do we know who he's fighting yet? Or is that on next week's card or next week's show? Uh, I think it's probably in the show in two weeks. Uh, I think they're going back to lightweights next week, but it's a guy named Rico Desculo who was, uh, was the one member of McGregor's team to win. And uh, I'm trying to remember who the other, um, there was another, I think it was Cody Gibson. I think Cody Gibson is the other fighter, uh, the other bantamweight that won. So they're going to be facing each other in uh, in two weeks' time, if I'm not mistaken. And that's when they'll show it. But essentially, I mean, these guys are now getting ready. Whoever does win, we don't know it yet. We'll find out on the winner of that. will be fighting Brad, reportedly at uh, in Boston, and uh, you know, in a few weeks. And 
what a what a big night that'll be for uh, fight fans here and uh, and certainly for Brad. He's uh, I mean such a nice young man and such a great story. Um, be great to see him back in the UFC. Uh, Aaron, always great having you on the program, my friend. Uh, listen, fill people in on everything you've got going on uh, MM, uh, covering MMA over at TSN right now because uh, there's a lot of it and uh, people need to know where to find it. For sure. Um, well, I, I've done everybody kind of a favor. I've uh, put everything at one link. It's www.aaron.report. So if you go to that website, it has all of the different links to, to my work. And uh, I'll also be adding a link to the uh, World MMA Awards voting. If you do have the chance to vote for me, I would yes. really appreciate that. Listen, we'll get we'll get some WST love for our guy, Bronstetter. Right. Absolutely. We'll throw that link in the chat as well and uh, see if we can. Uh, what, what does Helwani have? Uh, 12 straight right now? So I've got 12 straight. I'm, I'm the only Canadian resident that yes. is uh, nominated. He I'll left take us. That, Helwani. He's gone. <laughs> hey, congratulations again, and thanks for doing this. And my pleasure, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Always a pleasure. All right, good stuff with Aaron Bronstetter. Always love having Braun with us. Um, we are going to get to cool bet lines and some picks before we finish up the program. But I'm just going to play this clip um, back to the Jets for a minute with Rasmus Kaparis and his signing. We're going to hear uh, what Daryl Evans had to say. Um, but I'd love to throw it out to you folks um, for our why not question of the day for not Autocorp over at Waverly and McGillivray. Why not question of the day is where do you see Rasmus Kapari fitting into the Jets lineup this year? Do you see him as the fourth center or is there another area of the operation that you think he might be able to contribute in potentially higher up in the lineup or connecting with some other players that are on the roster right now. So give us your thoughts in the chat. Rasmus Kapari for the why not question of the day for not Autocorp. All right. Um, maybe before you answer that, you'd like to hear a little bit more about Kapari. We had the chance to catch up with Kings broadcaster and former King Daryl Evans. Um, and we asked him about Kapari and what sort of a package he's bringing to Winnipeg. Kapari again, former first-round pick. He's got size. He's a good skater. Good vision on the ice. Uh, he took on a role as a little bit on the penalty kill. Uh, they took, showed a lot of trust in him in that. He improved in the face-off circle. He, too, can play both center and the wing. Shoots the puck well. I still think there's a little bit more offense in his game that we saw in L.A., and maybe because of the situation he was in L.A., where he was playing, maybe a little bit smothered. So now an opportunity to kind of rebirth in, in his, in his uh, career and a chance maybe to be elevated his role and maybe play on that third line but uh it'll be an interesting to see where his career goes in the next couple of years all right so there's daryl evans and uh remo listen one million i think that was sort of what everyone thought that this would come in but i will admit i am intrigued over rasmus campari and what a change of scenery and a little more opportunity might mean for the young player you know it's just with the number of years uh and you look at uh what is you know Who's he replacing on the fourth line center? If he is that, David Gustafson had zero goals last year, and Rasmus Kupari had three. I think someone in chat said that was three times more goals. Or sorry, he had five goals, no, three goals last year. Someone said that was three times more goals. Well, not exactly three times zero is still still zero, but um, it'll be interesting to see. He's a, what, right-hand shot, Rasmus Kupari. So um, he's going to have an opportunity or maybe kill some penalties. We'll see how it goes. 
Uh, all right, let's get to the cool bet lines uh, for tonight. Blue Jays and Orioles going at it this evening. It's Kikuchi time, and it needs to be Kikuchi time because the Jays need to salvage something out of this series after dropping the first two. Jays minus 119, Orioles plus 106. There has been some value with the uh, with the O's so far this week as underdogs in both the first two and winning both. Um, I think my favorite game, and I'm going to throw this in on our Cool Bet Play of the Day on the Cool Bet channels, is the Reds at plus 130 over the Cubs. Cubs, I think, sort of got all their runs out last night. Uh, these two teams are very close. Cincinnati's been competitive this year in a role with Cincinnati at plus 130 on the money line. Uh, and maybe a little sprinkle on the Mets, although the Royals have somehow won four in a row. And um, they won last night on a walk-off balk. So maybe it's a good time just to fade the Mets and keep on riding the Royals. CFL lines, uh, the Bombers are still six-point favorites. I have to admit I am shocked that this number is this high. I think BC probably deserves to be, you know, maybe a three-point underdog, maybe three and a half. I, I'm I'm stunned that it is as big as it is. But again, very short week for BC. Very hungry Winnipeg team with some key players back. Would love to see the Bombers cover handily. Uh, but that is six points right now over at Cool Bet. Bombers minus 238 on the money line. Other games are Argos in Calgary. Toronto, eight and a half point favorites. Montreal at Hamilton. The Alouettes a road favorite of minus two and a half. And the Ottawa Red Blacks a one-point road favorite in Saskatchewan to take on the Riders on Sunday night. And don't forget, I mentioned this at the start, but if you click on the exclusives tab and go to the bottom, the Winnipeg Sports Talk Parlay is there. Bombers to win on Thursday, Seabears to win on Friday, plus 185 right now. Oh, and I see the Lock Shop Partner Parlay is also up. We like JT Poston, Denny McCarthy, and Hideki Matsuyama, all to finish in the top 20. That one's up there at plus 11.50, and I'm going to throw a 20 on that just as we are doing it, and that'll pay 250 if uh, those guys come in. Check out today's lock shop for a little bit more on the Wyndham Championship. All right, before we go, Wednesday, live racing. I'm going to be there tonight. Talked a lot about the... Uh, Incredible food there. Taking my folks. Really looking forward to it. But Remus, I don't think I could have picked a better day to go with the fam to the track than today. Well, maybe yesterday because of how good the picks were. Uh, but I have definitely heated up, and I think I have closed the gap from the beginning of the season. Yeah, we just added up. We're very close. We're neck and neck here. So I had a big lead uh, to start the year. You were putting up zeros. I was uh, making some picks. But lately, I just haven't had any big wins. Um, it's just been kind of breaking even. And, yeah, you had some big some big hits yesterday. I had one winner, uh, race seven. Or sorry, race five or seven. Smart call. As I said, it was a smart call taking that one to win. Yeah, well, I got this text um, from a friend last night, and, and then it kept going. Uh, my pal Ross, a marble regular, fired me a message. Huss, thanks for the ASD tip. Put money on race number three. Did the exactor, three, six, and three to win. I said, hell yeah, I'm heating up, Roscoe. 
Then about 20 minutes later, he said, you're the golden boy tonight. Race four. You said seven and one. You were bang on. Thanks, amigo. And then about another 25 minutes later, holy bleep, Andrew. Race five, number five to win. Bang. It happened. And funny enough, I was getting these messages and I went back and figured, what the heck? I'll throw $3 on race number six on an underdog horse, and it came through and won another 31. So, yes, very hot right now. And I'm going to actually, because I'm going to be there, I'm not sure whether I'll be there all night, I'm going to focus in on the later races for my selections right now, and then I'll probably live bet the other ones when I get there. But uh, I do have race three, four, five, and 7, I guess, for uh, for this evening's action remote. Okay, I have one, two, four, five, and seven on my card. Okay, we're gonna start it off with three. Then I've got a five-six exacta uh, box, Daddy's Rare Edition, and shout out to Rick the Model Martel, arrogance. So uh, five-six for race number three. Um, oh. Sorry, you have one or two? Yeah, I said I got I got one and two. Four, okay, five, you fi- fire away on those ones. Okay, race one, uh, horse two, Damn the Torpedoes, great album by Tom Petty. I'm taking this one, nice program selection there. Uh, race two, so you got race two, a triactor box, going with uh, one, two, four, distinct approval, artisan dancer, and Leah's on tune. Uh, that's my, I think Leah's on tune was a winner for us. Last year we went out to the down, so I like this this race. Well, you- hey, what the, one of the horses that I bet last night, the one at six, I don't think had ever raced before, and it got in. Don't sleep on number six, LL Cool Gray, who is ten to one on the opening point, but has not yet raced at a Cinnaboya Downs. So maybe I'll add that to the card right now. LL Cool Gray four, uh, race number. Two. two and you um, got race three right yeah Ar- i just dropped race arrogance three to you yeah arrogance and uh daddy's rare edition five six exacta box i was pretty close to never had i ever but uh i didn't that was a fun game growing up as a kid and uh if you, if you like that show also uh the mindy keeling one never have i ever it's funny uh i think it's on netflix anyways um race four I'm on number two to win. The Comrie rule. It's 20 to one. Uh, Mike Comrie, who I have used on Puck Doku before. Uh, he played for what? Edmonton and some other teams. I've, I know I've used him. He won for me uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, but that was a five and a half furlongs race. This is, this a, is five and a half furlongs. Oh, this is back five and a, and, oh. This is also Dude, five and a half furlongs has because you've told that's me. That's why I'm I'm also on the Comrie rule. The minute I saw oh, the last time he went at five and a half, he won. Yes. And when the other five and a half was two, he's got speed. Maybe he doesn't have the endurance or the distance. Whoa. I'm with you on the Comrie rule. That might be the uh, the consensus play of the day in race number four for tonight. That's crazy. Um, I only bet two dollars, but. This is twenty to one. I got scared off by that number, but I it won for me a couple weeks ago, so I'm in on the Comrie rule. I got a three on the Comrie rule tonight. Okay. Um, race five. This is where I put most of my uh, 
stuff in. Race five, I've got a Triactor box. One, three, four. Dazzling Mischief, Tis Funny are the favorites, and I'm adding in Feller, who uh, opened at 15 to 1. So you're not taking horse six, Mandrew? <laughs> no, I'm not taking you're, Mandrew. I, you're I, obligated. I, you should be I, taking Mandrew. Maybe when I'm at the track, I'll throw a $2 on it. But now that I'm right back in it, I'm going to really try and, you know, actually win these. Uh, just keep the momentum going. And I didn't, I didn't feel Mandrew, Mandrew tonight. Okay, well, I think tonight's going to be my lucky break. But I got $2 on, on lucky break. Horse two. How, I mean, look, smart call won yesterday. Lucky break today. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. Race six, I've got a $1 tractor box. Uh, we're going with two, Night Flyer, four, Reasonably Lovely, and six, Sparkling Silver. Yeah, I don't have anything on this on this race. Is that right? Did I, did, was that Sparkling Silver? Um, it is Sparkling Silver. I don't know. I, that may have been a mistake. I don't necessarily. What about Diamond box. Grand? I thought about Diamond Grand here. Diamond Grand. This is a this is a, a wild one. Yeah, that's six to one with Antonio Whitehall, who we do like quite a bit. Dubdy Saint Angel. No, no, no. Uh, and then one final race is race seven. I'm gonna bet this one on the card because I don't think I'll be there for that. Five eight exacta box. Mm -hmm. Know what I mean? And what up now, JT? Yeah, I also have know what I mean to win. So I'm a know what I mean. There you go. Um, hey, and tomorrow actually is the big day. Uh, the big derby press conference because the derby is on Monday night, Monday night of the long weekend. We won't be doing a show on Monday with it being the long weekend. But remember, that is the biggest day of the year at the track. So if you're thinking about a great way to finish up the long yeah. weekend, get out there and May have to see if uh, one Darren Dunn can jump on the show tomorrow or Friday to tee it all up for us. I'll do a little bit of intel when I'm out at the track tonight, Reem. Yeah, we should. Yeah, we should definitely do do that. Uh, have him on. I know they got the big press conference kickoff, and you and I will have our picks. Did we pick the winner last year? I thought we did. We did. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, has one other thing you know looking forward to. I don't know if you saw this yesterday. Uh, NFL announced. Remember the Nickelodeon broadcast during the wild card game? How, of course, the how, slime. Yes, how awesome it was. Well, Huss, they announced yesterday because CBS is doing the Super Bowl, there will also be an alternate Nickelodeon broadcast for the Super Bowl. Will you be watching the Nickelodeon broadcast or the uh, CBS broadcast? Because for me, I don't think I can ever watch a regular broadcast again if there's a Nickelodeon alternative. Uh, <laughs> I probably am not as fired up. I don't have a four-year-old that might be more, although you seem to be more into this than me. I don't care about him. I care about me. What do you mean? <laughs> I'm not, what about he, the slime for the touchdown? He doesn't watch football. Man, Pazzy goes to bed at 7. Like, I might please. I might click over to it. Um, So CBS, who is that? Like, Who will, the, who will that booth be? Nance? Is it Jim Nance and Tony Romo? I'm pretty sure. Aren't they still the number one? Although Tony Romo, he's way down on the NFL announcer power rankings now. Big time. Big time. He's been too like, too much time golfing and not enough time prepping. 
That's the consensus on Twitter. But, like, don't, how cool is this, Hess? Look, they got the slime in the end zone. <laughs> they got the slime monster when you're in the red zone. SpongeBob in between the uprights. Like, I'm not watching the regular Super Bowl broadcast anymore. I'm watching the Nickelodeon, oh. Nickelodeon one. They got the kid-friendly commentary, which, like, who needs the commentary? Okay, let commentary? me ask you this. Yeah. When the Chiefs score touchdowns in that Super Bowl, will the slime be red? No, that's the case. I might be in for it. No, I think it's green. And then I think they give give uh, like a trophy to the winner. Like, will there be an MVP trophy in the Nickelodeon like slime? MVP? It's the MVP Oh, the MVP. Yeah. So, yeah, there you go. Who can uh, forget Mitch Trubisky winning the MVP a couple of years ago? Probably the highlight of his NFL career. So this is great news and i'm a fan of alternate broadcasts and i hope that you know it was the highest rated wild card game ever um the one they did this past year when it was on nickelodeon so they're doing it for the super bowl too love it alternate broadcasts for the win <laughs> there you go folks well we'll have more information on that i cannot wait for nfl season uh leal join remus on friday uh when i'm away for a little bit more of the uh, training camp scuttlebutt from around the NFL. But a very busy show today. Great to have you all with us. Thanks so much. Hit that thumbs up if you haven't already. And do us a favor. Tell a friend about Winnipeg Sports Talk. Let's get our subs going again and our continuing our drive to 10,000. Um, tomorrow on the program, Darren Bombing, Dustin Nielsen. Um, we will also have a visit, I believe, from our pal Brandon Rewicki. Uh, and it's going to be a lot about tomorrow's big game. And uh, we'll try and hook up maybe with the CEBL as well before Friday's record-breaking game again for the Winnipeg Sea Bears. And don't forget, the Upper Deck's open. Tickets are available. If you haven't been already, check it out on Friday night. Let's cash that Winnipeg Sports Talk exclusive at Cool Bet. Bombers to win and Sea Bears to win. Be a hell of a way to go in, too the long weekend um big thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen every day of course aaron bronstetter scotty billick farhan lalji and Derek taylor great job by michael remus um if you see me at the track tonight say hi if not i'll say hi to you tomorrow 1 p.m right here live on youtube and following afterward on the podcast on winnipeg sports talk have a great one everyone oh my god oh! shut it down Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.